Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Friendship Snake Podcast. I am your host, Wade Mariano, and I'm joined, as always, by... Trace Finicaro. And... Snickety Snack Snack Snake Snake Snake. That's a one Gunner Kennedy. Hi. Guys, how we doing? Okay, great. Oh, I'm Good sorry. Answer. I thought you were asking the audience. Oh, how you doing? <laughs> I'm like, how can they reply to that? I can see, I can see you, Billy, and you, Andrea, and you. Oh, fucking, okay. You? We're, before we start on our first topic... And Trace, I'm sure, can fucking relate. And actually, Gunnar, you could relate. Romper room. The fucking mirror scene. It's fucking bullshit. It was bullshit. It's from the You're 80s. Just mad you, they never saw name, Wade. Never... I'm sure they never saw Trace, and I'm sure they never saw Gunner. Well, I didn't want anybody watching me when I was a kid anyway. I don't want anybody watching me now. What's funny is romper room is one of those things I remember my brother talking about. Thing. But I was like three, so I didn't actually watch it. I'm actually looking it up right now. So romper so, Stomper, Bomper Boo, or something like that. So Romper Room, you're saying that there's the mirror scene where there was this scene, so the like audience. they would interact with the audience, and she would say like she would hold up the mirror, and she was like, "I see Timmy, I mm-hmm. see Billy, I see Julie, mm-hmm. I see." Oh, and you're yeah. just waiting for your name to be called. Well, you're Wade. They wouldn't have said that. And I'm I'm was, Trace. They I wouldn't was, have said that. Would, Gunner isn't going to be mentioned. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, you know, maybe maybe that's maybe that's just my code name. But but don't you feel the same way when you go to those tourist traps? Yeah, trying there's to get no a keychain. Pla- there's no license plates or yeah. key- Gunner keychains. There's no Wade keychains. It's okay though. It's speaking I, of I made, license I, plates. I mean, I made my own. They're way cooler. Like I could get Tracy and then cut off the Y, and it would at least sound proper. <laughs> Phonetic, it's uh, phonetically uh, correct. Yeah, if not spelled correctly. Um, but speaking of license plates, <laughs> uh, those go on vehicles. And Trace, you actually own a vehicle, just like Gunner and I do. I, and you your vehicle is having some. Issues similar, not similar to Gunner's, but almost as frequent as Gunner's tires. Do you know another kind of vehicle? A Segway. That, well, we just got on one. Two wheels rolling right towards Trace. And his... Man, you guys are so cute with your transitions. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trace, you've been having um, a really shitty time with I, your minivan, right? I think, I think in the industry parlance, it's referred to as a proper dicking. <laughs> That sounds terrible. You, you've received a proper dicking on on, on on your car your car ownership. Yeah, I I find car stories to be boring, which is why I try not to talk too much about them. But we were talking about it beforehand. I think it's relatively relatable. Anybody that's had like kind of a major car issue that they couldn't fix, like the Alero, I feel had similar issues. But yeah, and this has been a saga, right? Because this has been like a seven week journey. Yeah, you had a mold, you had a Moldsmobile. Yeah. So the the long and the short, I don't know how to say this without, I guess I'll just go into it. The The symptom, it's a van. It's a essentially a caravan, but it's a Chrysler town and country. And the it started off as really as a headlight being out. That was really the big, big problem because we don't want to get a ticket. Right. That's That's the end goal is to get this headlight working. But there were some other issues. Um... For some reason, the this this specific model, since it's a town and country, it's the limited edition. It's got all these fancy features, and this model came with like a camera on the back of it, so that she can the stereo just switches to a backup camera, which a lot of cars have now. But yeah. this is a twenty eleven. 
Well, yeah, okay. So it's it's, it, it's like 2016, 2017 it became kind of a more regular feature. But 2011, it, 2011 it, I'm sure it was kind of like And that. it also marked effectively the, the, the entirety of the end of the aftermarket stereo. Yeah, yeah true. That's very true. true. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell is going to replace a stereo when it's got your camera built in? Right. Yeah, I guess it'll take years for them to have a standardized camera protocol so you can just plug it in like an antenna. I wonder if... Um, we're not going to get off the topic, but I do wonder if, like, the aftermarket stereo was kind of a dying thing anyway. Like, well, who cares? I mean, it's, I, it's because I, they were so shitty for so long. Right. I like, I imagine that the quality of the speakers in the system is getting better anyway. So, what's the point of the aftermarket? Yeah, you stereo? get into like a you get into a brand new car and you you put on some sweet Wade's favorite musician is Bruno Mars. Oh God. A, <laughs> yeah, a real real fan. <laughs> you put on some Bruno Mars and man it. It, it does, though. The, the music sounds really good in a new car. So it started off as a headlight issue, and um, we took it to our local mechanic, and they're pretty good. Um, and the local mechanic did what any mechanic would do, and he replaced the headlight. And my wife um, left the mechanic, and by the time she made it to the road, the headlight was, was out again. And uh, since it's a Dodge, those that actually do know Dodges, especially um, uh, the newer Dodges, they hear a headlight going out. And some of them already know what's going on here because there was a class action lawsuit. There's been news coverage on this issue. And um, what it generally stems from is these new cars, they don't just have a wire going from the switch, the headlight switch to the headlight anymore right the cars are much smarter so they have like a computer that controls all of the components inside the car but something that was a bit unique with dodge is they decided that the uh they wouldn't even use a classic switch to turn it on and off now the way that headlights have worked historically on cars and i mean like it's I've worked on cars from the 80s and they used this technology was the switch inside the dashboard and there's some exceptions but the switch inside the dashboard tells they call it a relay um, but it tells a relay inside your fuse panel to turn your headlights on and off. I, I, I would I would say as a person who has exposure to this on the other it, it, talk louder like, Gunner. Yeah well I'll talk in front of the mic. As a, this, this has been like the standard since the Late 40s, early 50s. So 40s and 50s, right? They knew that a little tiny switch in your dashboard shouldn't have to carry all of the current between a battery that's under your hood and a headlight that's under your hood, right? All you really need to do is just remotely turn the switch on and off. So that's a relay, right? Makes sense. Well, this concept of a relay hasn't changed in most manufacturers because if for some reason something goes wrong inside the switch... You just pop the relay out, pop the new relay in. It's not a whole lot of uh, current going through the the switch inside your car, so those parts generally don't go bad. And even if they do, you can just buy another switch for the car. You don't have to worry about the wires melting, too much current going through them. It's the right way to do things. (coughs) Excuse me. Dodge is no exception to this. However, what they decided to do is they decided instead of using a physical relay, which if you t- you can take a relay apart, Gunner, how would you describe? Well, a relay a relay is just a solenoid, so it's got like you got a, you got a like a, a metal cylinder inside a coil, and it's got a contactor on one end, and 
you put you put a little current to the con you know the 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 the, or the, the cylinder the magnets around the, the coil around the cylinder it moves the cylinder up the contactor closes the circuit and then like you have a really you have a really heavy gauge yeah so it's circuit. like if you get a nail and you wrap a wire around it you can make a magnet yep but it's only a magnet when there's electricity going through right yep so if you use that <clears throat> magnet to draw two pieces of metal together, you can turn it on and turn it off with a smaller amount of electricity, right? Well, that's a, a mechanical relay. And those have been very reliable. They've been used forever. And you, you'll even hear mechanics talking about swapping them out and fixing issues. They do rarely go, they rarely go bad because they've been manufactured for so long that the quality of them is good. There's not a lot of moving parts. There's some downsides to them. One of them is there's a slight delay they're um, they're not really designed to be used like really quickly. So if you have and they're a big, yeah, they're pretty big. If you have a cop car, for example, and you need the lights to flash, you don't want to use a relay for that because you don't want to keep opening and closing the connection with a with a mechanical relay. Instead, there'll be a special type of bulb and some type of computer controller. Well, this idea where the computer controller turns the headlights on and off has been adopted by Dodge and it's inside the fuse it's inside the fuse block like where all your fuses and relays and stuff go. There's actually a microcontroller in there that turns the headlight on and off. Now, the reason that there's a class action lawsuit is because Dodge under-engineered the board the traces are too small. The traces are literally too small to hold the current, the, the the amps, or the spot. You know, like because if it, because you know, there's 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 two problems in automotive electrical circuit engineering, which is that you have um, peak amperage draw and sustained amperage draw, and the peak is like you know you can have a ridiculous number, but if it's if it lasts for more than so many seconds. You overheat, you overheat the wire, or you overheat the trace, and you start damaging it. I mean, like, I guess, I guess. Technically, so tell us what an overheated this, trace looks I, like. Well, I, I'm sitting the next. I'm, I'm sitting slightly ne next to one, slightly at the moment. <laughs> Quite heated trace. So, um, well, no, because it, it's one of these things where it's like, um, the problem is, is that they've made these systems more digital, but they keep cutting the cost on them and stuff like that. Here's my. Here's a question, um, because the fact that what it's sounding like is. <clears throat> did anybody even really want this? Like, did any consumer really give two shits um, about a digital relay or a solenoid, like a mechanical relay? Well, the the the, the <clears throat> they wanted the feature. They didn't want the unreliability. Yeah, and like, the so consumer like, did. Yeah, because like if you think about it, like um, like when you when you unlock your car, your headlights flash. Sure, that's a feature that consumers want. Why though? Well, because because it, you can find your car in a parking lot. Well, but it's also you also people you, love it. It beeps and the and the fl the lights I, flash. I mean, I, I guess I get that. And you hit it again, so, and you can find your car in a parking lot. They love it. I mean, wait, I don't. Do, you still have mechanical locks in your car, right? Yeah, my shit's all manual. Yeah, so you just have to remember where you park. Yeah, yeah. So, but think about think about this. Think about this van, Gunner. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be right. talking over you. Um, think about this van. Think about somebody with with five children spilling out of a. Uh, spilling out of, of Walmart or, or a mall or a shopping center. Just the checkout process was enough to wipe every memory from your brain. No, I, I get that. The but they did. the kids from pulling stuff off the shelves. So when they step out, that button is a lifesaver. Because if they have to drag their kids around and find their car, they're going to, they're, they're going to murder their but kids. But they won't they because 19, in the, in just in the 80s, which is kind of a long time ago I, now at this point, 
Like, you did that shit. Like, yeah, you did that. And if the technology's not really there... But in the oh, 80s, ooh. a lot of moms stayed home with the kids, and the dad went out and worked. It was a, it was a slightly true. different arrangement. And now, a lot of... Te- technically, I, I, I don't know, like, did your... Did your mom go out alone, or was it an extended family, an extended family trip? Like you know, grandma would come along with you, or something like that, or an aunt, or no? Like my, we live with my grandparents, so my mom just went out and did the grocery shopping like by herself. I'm pretty sure. Well, I rarely remember getting brought to so the grocery I, store. I just, I think it's different times, right? Yeah, it's different times. I, I I'm not saying that people shouldn't be doing the things that the way it's, they think and, and ultimately it's, it's not times. like and i recognize this is a chrysler slash gm issue this isn't like an issue well, with that's happening no, with all these cars is it so let let's 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 go back a little further and to your point you're asking like why people why what, what people were asking for mm-hmm. so the reason that they add they, they they digitize this is because one this isn't a chrysler design this is a legacy from back when they got bought up by Daimler, you know, like right. Daimler Benz. And this is a Daimler Benz design. And the whole point of that, the whole point of making this um, digitally controlled versus the, the relay was because it lets you do all sorts of stupid stuff like auto dimming or mm-hmm. variable, you know, like variable light response because you can, you can have the computer, you can basically have sensors communicating mm-hmm. stuff back to the 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 engine or you know like the, the car control unit and it can send commands to the right. lights to do so, right so you can not only do fine controlling of your lights like if for some reason you wanted to tell your radio <clears throat> to you only run the left side of your lights you could technically do weird things like that but even stranger than that you could tell your radio that your lights out you see what I'm saying? And but it gets really really weird like th- the system can protect itself from overload. In um so when the headlight blows, it actually that it has the po- the potential of telling the system it's being overloaded and it can shut down the headlight because it thought that there was a short in the system and there wasn't. It was just the bulb just the bulb going. And this is why this is this is really what kind of turns this into a very complex class action lawsuit because a lot of the people that were complaining about this problem, and this gets into right to repair as well, a lot of the people complaining about these, this problem, um, they weren't really in the vans. They were in the Cobalts. Or the, um, or, or, or the, the Jeeps. The, the Dakotas. Or, yeah. The Dakota, yeah. The, the, Dakota the Rams, the Dakotas. And in the, the, the class action settled with the Jeeps and the trucks. They never did anything for the Cobalts or the minivans, even though they had the exact same module inside them. Um, but what happened with, the, with those was when the bulb blew, the computer turned off the light permanently. So that was a really strange one. And people were told they had to replace this fuse panel, which is between $800 and $1,000. Yeah, to, repl- to to get a headlight back on, where a lot of the time, a Dodge dealership, an actual dealership, could plug a computer in and just tell it to turn the headlight back on. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being told you have a thousand dollar part to replace a ten dollar bulb, and really all they have to do is hit enter well, on a computer? And the other problem, the other problem is, is that it doesn't fix the core reason why it triggered the error state too, because you can have it happen again. Right. Like, because wasn't there the whole... And that's what happened with with my wife's car is the headlight kept coming on and going out. But we weren't exactly sure why. Right. 
Um, so, I mean, we can get in the right to repair. That's a, that's a thing. We've on gotten its own. in the right to repair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's right to there. repair should be all electronics. I feel, I don't think it should be limited to the auto industry. I feel like right to re- there should be cell phone, right to repair. If you there own it, TV you should right have a right to repair. to repair it. Right. If you purchase it, and I, it's yours. You know, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not asking, you know, difficulties of actually doing it aside, heating it up, getting it to unglue and everything else. That's. I you know there's there's two things because like um do you do either of you guys follow Lewis Grossman on YouTube, the Apple guy? No. So there's um, a dude there's a dude there's a dude out in New York City yes. who's who's I don't follow kind of but I'm familiar it, with made, him. Made, made it his personal quest to tell Apple to go fuck itself because he's like mm-hmm. he's the he's the premier um, Apple repair guy on this side this side of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um. But one of the things, yeah, because they just go back and forth, and he's, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of become the face, one of the faces of that whole right to repair thing, because he has to go th- like Apple, Apple is deliberately coming up with countermeasures to kind of take his legs out from underneath him, mm-hmm. and he's exposing because them he, he, for he, 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 yes, he, you know, he, all yeah, the predatory well, practices. Well, well, I mean, yeah, Apple's doing some strange things, like with the screens, they they have. Um, Evidence that the, I think it's the laptops. If you replace the screen on the laptop, you need an Apple serviceman to, like, punch in a code in order yes. to, in order to sync the screen with the device. Uh, the, well, and, and yes, they're de- they're deliberate. You, you know, the thing was is that you can argue that like maybe it's the mediated experience and stuff like that because he talked he talked. They're going back and deliberately doing software updates or firmware changes. To disable yeah. third party and, uh, and here's or, my or, ultimate or problem hardware. with all this. <laughs> you charge enough fucking money for your products by far more than more than most, I'd say. It's already crazy expensive. And this guy unfortunately is shedding light on your shitty business practice where you're overcharging people to repair some of these items. Well they won't. And half the time they don't even want to fucking repair them. They just want you to buy a new one. And this guy, you know, is kind of like you could probably fix this for a part well, that's going to cost you fifteen it, bucks it, and labor that's going to cost you, I don't know, even a hundred bucks an hour. It, it's still it's, more than you get. It's funny because like um, their their like flagship product right now is not an actual Mac. It's the iMac Pro, and the iMac Pro. I mean, like you know, there's production issues aside and stuff like that. They don't actually make enough. Like they're they're fucking with their supply chain. They don't make enough parts to actually repair it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have like, you know. There, there's this whole thing like because that that um, Linus Tech Tips had one. They had, they bought an iMac Pro and they were fucking. They were fucking. They're upgrading its memory, and they dropped the panel, and they don't actually have any techs capable of doing the service procedure. That they Apple specifies, or the genius, the, they couldn't find a genius bar in Canada or in the United States when they were calling around that was actually certified to do the repair. Mm-hmm. The repair. Yeah, they end Apple. up sending them out, and you're without a computer for a while. Um, but to me, I, the whole the, the computer thing is an interesting one because as the devices get smaller and more integrated, it's harder. It's harder to take them apart anyway. Sure. So. The cell phone, the laptop, the the iMac is actually the one where 
um, it's probably the easiest to service because they still allow you to upgrade your drive and your your memory on those for now. But like, but like on the on the smaller devices like the Macs, the MacBook Airs and the MacBook Pros, um, as well as a lot of PC manufacturers, Lenovo, they're Dell. All they're all glued together now. They're, they're actually soldering a lot of these components onto the motherboard, like the memory gets soldered on because it, it's the only way they can make it that thin. Right. So there's, there's some issues there. I do understand why somebody gets all bent out of shape, though, when you try to replace your own screen, and now you got to take it to Apple to punch in a code. Hopefully they don't charge for well, that. Well, you know, because the other, the other thing... But that is oh, bullshit. I, I, would, I would say they would probably... I, I don't know. Well, and again, obviously like, your warranty is voided, not for any very where, good reason. Where but like, the, well, but if you had a warranty, you would have had them replace it anyway. That's a good point. That's a good point. Where this overlaps is that the majority of Lewis's business, though, is dealing exactly with the shit that you're dealing with right now with your with 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 your with your van, which is that there are design defects. Right. In these product in these products, mm-hmm. and it's like either one we have to you know like. Um, because you know, and again, it's it's kind of a nutty thing because like he's doing board level repair on these 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 Macs and these iPhones, right? right. But it's also just like, yeah, we made we we did a really sh- we we did a very questionable design mm-hmm. ultimately for long term serviceability, and I need to use you know like you're not gonna get rid of uh, not that you've had that conversation yet. You're not gonna get rid of the van, right? Um, probably not. You're invested in the van. So, so let, me, let me give you some more information on this van. So I, I, when I started looking into the headlight issues, all I could find were people on YouTube running a wire from the working headlight to the non-working headlight. Okay. So they're drawing off the amperage from the working well, headlight, the one that the board did not decide to shut down? I, yeah. I, I saw a couple. Because the, 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 the one issue that came up, uh, up and up again was... Um, the board they they added to they went back and used a old an older sized board or a smaller sized board than they really needed so there wasn't enough trace surface on the again we talked about trace there wasn't enough surface on the board to actually run traces of sufficient depth because they had to fit they mm-hmm. had to, they wheedle through each other yeah and what the guys will do is that besides running the wire to the other one is that they'll actually just bridge in a physical like a, yeah. a, a jumper but, wire on yeah the, so the what they'll do them. is they'll get an old school relay i say old school but they, you still buy them they're like a dollar you can go buy a relay a relay kit at, at, at your local pep boys or advanced auto and you can just you can just you can just you're instead of using the amperage from the other headlight you can just have that headlight kick on another relay, right? Gotcha. So there's quite a few ways to fix this. And these people are like, oh, it's so cheap. I spent $2, I spent $5, I spent $10, and they're all fixing their headlights instead of paying $1,000 to Dodge. But what that goes to is that's more along the lines of the fact that this board was the issue. And that's where I, re- I my rage really started with the fixing of this car because I don't want to spend $1,000 on a defective part. I'm okay spending $1,000 on a part that goes bad, but I didn't want to do it on a part that, that shipped improperly from the dealership. And the first thing the Dodge dealership said was, let's get this board replaced. It's the first thing that they said. So I'm like, okay, whatever, get the board. Well, the board is on back order. Nobody has the board. They can't get the board. Um, so I start using some of my own resources I know some people that work at dealerships, start calling around. Finally, we end up getting a board. He puts the board in the car, and the headlight still doesn't work. 
So this is where it starts getting strange because now I'm helping a dealership troubleshoot a problem with their car. Right, I mean, a car that they have a spec sheet you're on. You're paying a premium because you're going to a dealership, A, but the fact that you have to continue to help these fucking people is probably what would have sent me over the edge. And you've been very significantly more patient than I would have been with them. Like, I'm paying you top dollar... And I'm and you like you need help like I don't I don't oh god nice word sucks dude so, sorry so part of <laughs> night 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 ni- jeep jeep dodge christ I've never had a good fucking experience at nigh period so I don't I don't want to talk too much trash about the dealership I because that yeah, people I want people to form their own opinions about them as a dealership but so where this starts to turn into an interesting problem is. The reason that this headlight is so problematic in this car is because it's more complex than your average headlight. Now, most people, when their bulb goes, they go to Walmart, they spend $11, and they just pop another bulb in their headlight. This, however, being the limited edition version of this van, had a special type of bulb. It's a Xeon. It's called a high-intensity discharge bulb, and... I actually had to call some of my electrician friends. When I say electricians, I mean like hobbyist electricians, not like hooking big wires up to buildings electricians. And they had to explain to me how high-intensity discharge works. The way that this works is, and Gunner probably knows this, is the bulb is burning a gas. However, the gas that it's burning has to be very carefully regulated or else it will blow. Well, because it, it's also it uses a, Z, a, Z, a xenon bulb uses um, AC current instead of DC current because it's actually it's a so you know like a, a normal headlight bulb it's a resistive load so it's just you know like you're you, it's why you have the separate driver and all that and again it's also why you have all this stupid crazy advanced electronics on it is that you can just switch you can switch out you can basically switch out the module. You, you know, you can have the same controller running three or four different light types at this, you know, without having to do a redesign on it. Because, um, I don't know if you've ever, did you ever do the aftermarket Xenons? Because no. one, okay, because one, I don't have Assume to Wade's never customized any part of his okay, car. I don't, I don't like, <laughs> well, as far no, as cars go, I don't customize shit. Well, I literally no. just get in it, drive, get out, like, and get well, it serviced, and that's it. And again, you know, cause it's, it's funny that we're having this conversation because I had, I had to do the relay, I had to do the relays for the, 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 the stupid shitty Chrysler that I, I bought that still is not on the road. Ironically, again, another Chrysler product, although also from the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and again, you mix and match parts. Um, but so you know, like they 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 made a, they make a whole bunch of like aftermarket xenon conversion kits for cars, and they're right. all gar they're all garbage. Yeah, because but they're cheap. But they're cheap. They used to be like six hundred bucks, but now you can get them for a hundred dollars for the whole kit, both sides. Okay, and this is a very important part. The cost of the materials is a very important part for this story. Um, so. <sighs> The way that this that this headlight system works is it's got the it's got the uh, the xenon bulb. It, on the back of the bulb, it has something that's called a ballast. Mm-hmm. And if you think about a compact fluorescent bulb, which we all used to have, now everybody's switching to LEDs. But if you think about a compact fluorescent bulb, the reason they called it compact is because they were able to get the ballast and the bulb inside the size of a regular incandescent. So. 
if you think about this like a fluorescent, it's actually a very similar technology. Does fluorescent burn the same gas or is it different? No, um, fluorescent is um, a metal or usually a metal. Uh, you know, I mean, no, it's it's still so the action on how it works is different. Like a, a, flu a fluorescent is normally uh, a colder like ignite igniter circuit so like that's that's why xenon like fluorescence you also don't have to worry about the bulb exploding from like getting your mm -hmm. finger oil on them right right so the way that this works the, the best i can understand it is part of this electrical system has to charge the bulb and fire it right so that it starts so that the gas inside starts to burn sure then something else actually needs to draw take back current so that you don't overload it while it's burning. If you do, it explodes. Um, and I mean, explodes. It's a little bulb. You know, it just right. pops. Actually, so the, the main, so yeah, the main thing, the difference with a xenon and a normal headlight bulb is that a headlight bulb has a filament, and a xenon, a xenon or a xenon style bulb is it's a gas like, chamber. It's, it's, it's a gas right? chamber. It's, yeah. it's a high, it's a high temperature plasma. Gotcha. So. Now, if you think about this from a parts perspective, right? You have a bulb with a ballast built onto the back. This bulb is about a hundred bucks on the. Uh, if you were to go to your Pep Boys, right? However, there's a dealer-approved version of this bulb that is a three hundred dollar bulb, right? Three Shocker. times the markup. <coughs> it's not. It's not a huge surprise to people who have bought parts from the dealership, yeah. but that price difference is important to identify because this next one gets very interesting. That's the ballast in the bulb. The igniter that I was talking about. Um, and, and this car, the igniter actually sits underneath the headlight. So the average mechanic wouldn't even, I shouldn't say mechanic, the average layman wouldn't even know it's there because you have to remove the bumper to even find it. The igniter sits on the bottom side of the headlight on this car. The igniter costs $20 because if you were to buy the full kit, it's 100 right? You could buy these, you probably buy them for cheaper than $20, but let's say it's a $20 igniter. The dealership charges $300 for that as well. And this igniter is a standard igniter. It's the same exact part number that you would get off those $100 kits on eBay. However, with this specific car, the wires, and they were telling me, the dealership told me that there was problems with the wires. The wires run through the headlight. And because of that, the dealership, if they find any problems with the wires, they will get you for the entire headlight. The headlight is an $800 unit. It's an $800 headlight with just a few copper wires going through it. So this started off, and I, I said to the dealership, I said, well, the headlight itself is fine. You just need the wires. They said, yeah, but you can't just get these wires. The junkyards won't let us cut them out because... If we were to cut them out, they wouldn't be able to sell the headlight to someone else, right? So, like anyone would, I go on eBay and I try to see if somebody will sell just the wires. And I found somebody. They sold not only the wires, but it came with that igniter that I was talking about. The whole kit shipped from California to Oneida, New York, $37. Dealership wanted $300 for the igniter, $800 for the headlight, right? Dealership says the only caveat is, is if we put if we put aftermarket, they call everything aftermarket if it doesn't come from the dealership. Even though the dealership themselves buy from aftermarket, it's just if they buy it, they don't call it aftermarket. Weird. 
They'll, they call it OEM, Original Equipment Manufacturer. So they're like, well, we'll put this aftermarket harness in for you, but we can't warranty it. That makes sense, right? Sure. They solder this, they solder this harness in, which they claimed was bad. They put this igniter in, which they said they tested my igniter and the igniter was bad. And the bulb that's in there is actually a $90 bulb from Napa. Uh, and the $90 bulb from Napa, they're telling me, they don't know if it's actually causing all of our issues or not because it's not an OEM bulb. By the way, the bulb's 300, the igniter's 300, the headlight's 800, right? I mean, this is a lot of cash we're talking about if I were to go with everything that they're recommending. So they get everything hooked up, the headlight works, and that that the headlight works for, for a couple of days, and then all of a sudden it shuts off. The interesting part about this is all of this troubleshooting was being done with the the $1,000 board that they put in they switched it back to the original board that they took out of the car and there that it was they had the exact same results the headlight would work but then it would cut with the cut original off board after a few days would cut off so they kind of ruled the board out as as a cause um, of the problem so they claim that that cheap igniter that i got off of ebay ended up failing on them they, I pay them $300 for an OEM igniter, even though it's the exact same part, the same stickers, the same stamp on the, on the aluminum. I pay them $300 for it so that it's covered under warranty. And they take it a step further. They, they get the igniter that they know is working on one side of the car. They get the bulb that they know is working on one side of the car. And they move those over to the passenger side. So now it's the OEM bulb, the OEM igniter, the aftermarket Napa bulb is sitting on the opposite side. That's working fine, no problems. They get it all buttoned up. There was a couple of other issues they fixed, which got very expensive, um, but those were kind of luxury things like the camera and some of the sensors. They get this all buttoned up. My wife leaves the dealership. She turns on the right signal to turn out of the dealership, and the head, the, the the directional makes a pop sound and then it starts flashing fast. Now this isn't her first car. She mm -hmm. thinks, you know what? It's just my luck. With all the temperature changes, I blew a directional bulb and it just happened to happen when I was coming out of the dealership. She thinks nothing of it. She goes for a little test drive. She's coming back down the street by the dealership and she puts her left directional on to turn into the dealership to let the guy know that we're good and she's going to take the car, a pop sound, and then the left directional starts blinking fast. And she stops and she says, what are the chances? Yeah, not likely. That two directional bulbs went at the same time. She pulls in and the, the dealership says, well, turn on your directionals. The fog lights start blinking. So... Turns out that the board that they ordered for us, which was in there because it fixed the camera, the board that they ordered for us actually didn't come with installation instructions. And they didn't tell me this, but I believe they swapped two plugs between the old board and the new board. The new board came in. They ordered a now, now this is on the third board for the headlights. The third board comes in, gives them specific instructions. I don't know why Dodge would make two plugs the same that go on the bottom of it. They put the new one in. Headlights work. 
all of the other things that we were working on work. And and I drive out of there with, I believe the bill was $3,100, right? Um, the interesting part and the part that's a development since the last time that we talked is her headlight just went again. This is where Gunner talking about Dimer Chrysler is interesting because when I went and looked at it, the rubber boot for the headlight was missing. And like Gunner said, if you get a fingerprint on this thing, it can blow the ball. Right. So instead of going back to the dealership, I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my mechanic, bring it back to my mechanic. He orders a bulb, but he says, he says, he says, if your husband's right about this boot, I don't want to put a brand new bulb in until the boot comes in. I look up this boot. The boot is made by a German headlight manufacturer called Hella, and there's none available in the United States. None. Nice. Not a one. Not a used one on eBay. And the problem is, is because this is a very rare headlight for this car, finding one in a parking, finding one in a in a junkyard is going to be very difficult. You- so as of right now, she's still driving around with one headlight after all of these fees these 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 parts and the cert and the the labor and the headlight is on its way from britain right now or i'm sorry the headlight boot the rubber seal for the headlight is on its way from britain right now so all in all you've spent well over three grand three grand was to the dealership for that time it was a 300 dollars diagnosis the first time that we brought it there and there there was actually two bad parts when it comes to the uh the blind spots on the car, the blind spot sensors, those were twelve hundred a piece. I found those for six hundred a piece on uh, on Amazon, and they did install those for me. Same deal. They'll install them, but they won't warranty them. So we're actually in for about forty five hundred dollars. I'm, I'm going to do a Kelly Blue Book on your vehicle right now. It's a twenty eleven uh, Chrysler Town and Country Limited. Chrysler model Town and Country. Mileage, mileage on it. Um, it, it. Mileage on it's probably 110. And just just to kind of to not necessarily like Daimler, Daimler had a lot of issues around this time too. Like this was right like when this design came out. This was right in the period of when like their quality had like face planted, and like they kind of had to go through the whole come to Jesus, look at yourself. What do we want? Who do we want to be? Moment, but. It's not just them, because, like, they're, you know, on a side note, um, that, do you remember the Dart? So they had the, they had the, they had the, the Avenger and the Chrysler 200 or something like that. And mm-hmm. So they retired that, and then they had the Dart, and the Dart was the one that was based off the Fiat mm-hmm. um, compact car platform. So they just recalled all of them, like, literally all of them that they ever made, because mm-hmm. there's an issue where the tra- the parking, the parking brake on the transmit the parking controller on the transmission just <coughs> i you know what i know you told me to be in park but i don't really feel like we should be in park right now <coughs> and it, it, it's, it's it's not it's not like that one the one jeep where the guy like you know like the dude from star trek got rolled rolled over by his own truck but right like it's saying it's in park it's just like you know what nah, i don't feel and it's just funny that like we're dealing with this when literally Chrysler back in the day was famous because they're the guys who came up 
with every single one of these like hey this is just how a car is supposed to behave mm. hey when we put it in park there's an actual yeah. physical park indicator but it's and it's changed right i mean the world's changed technology's changed people have changed so what did you come up with kelly blue book on this kelly blue book i said very good good condition because yeah. it said that only three percent of these vehicles sold was were in excellent condition mm-hmm. um so private party 8608 yeah, that's yeah, that's a little bit. I mean, the thing is, is that seventy five to ninety six. Most people wouldn't buy one with those miles on it. You know, they'd get one with like with like eighty thousand miles. Sure. Um, we bought it, I think, <clears throat> two years ago now, and uh, we bought it for, I want to say twelve twelve thousand dollars cash. Yeah. And it blue booked for I think thirteen five at the time. What it comes down to though is. Um, and this is the problem with automobiles as an, it, you know, putting your money into them. I don't even want to use the word investment, but putting your money into an automobile is you have to stop and ask yourself, can I get this car for $4,500? Because if you can't, then what ends up happening is you have to get rid of a car with problems, hope that you can sell it. And then you have to get the $4,500 you would have used to fix it. And then you go buy another car. Let's say I got. Let's say I was able to sell that car with with the electrical problems that it had, for let's say five thousand dollars. If I get the five thousand dollars, combine it with the forty five hundred dollars I fixed it, I now have ninety five hundred dollars. I am going to buy myself a ninety five hundred dollar van, right? Yeah. That blue book price assumes that it has all of the issues that I have because it it has one hundred ten thousand. Um, my 110,000 miles worth of issues. The good thing is, is that you know, part a good portion of this was was because this vehicle has expensive uh, features. It's got a DVD player in it, right? The DVD player, um, it's not going to cost all that much more if you're buying it used because you're just comparing it to you know another used vehicle. But if that DVD player system dies, you could easily spend a thousand dollars fixing it. You see what I'm saying? So it's it's a very, very, very difficult um, position for any person repairing a car to be in because it's like your transmission going in a car. Yeah, it might cost $4,000 to put to put a new transmission in or $3,000 to put a new transi- transmission in, but can you buy a car for that price? For $4,500 plus, plus the $5,000 we could have sold it at with all of those electrical problems, we would have got a $9,500 van. And guess what? That $9,500 van would have had a whole bunch of brand new problems that we would have had to deal with. And they would have been costly. If you had bought a Chrysler, sure. Well, if we bought a van, period. Right. You can't buy a used van for less than $10,000 right. that you can drive your family around in and, and, ev- and everything works. I mean, this thing has heated seats. No, I get it. Like, there's a lot of luxury in this, but you can get a base model, hang, you know, no DVD system. That's fine. Hang an iPad off the fucking back. Like, you can figure it out with all the luxury shit, and maybe be in a better spot. Well, but the reason we got this van was because of these features. We, we, the the car that I'm driving, our old family car, was, uh, it was a a Honda CRV. We, we did the iPad hanging yeah, from the yeah, back yeah. seat. You know what I'm saying? Sure. We did that and we hated it. Yeah. We got the we got the the, the Velcro on DVD system. It was the worst thing we had ever <laughs> bought. I, I'm I'm not even kidding. Try to get audio from a from an aftermarket DVD system to your stereo. You have a, a cable which is proprietary because why not? You have a cable running from the back seat to the front seat, trying to plug it into the input. 
on your stereo. It's actually really, really difficult. And kids are accidentally hitting it with their hand, they're knocking it out. To have more than one DVD screen play the same thing like all the vans do, you have to have the you have to have the aftermarket system where they daisy chain the video. So now you have a wire going across the back seat from one DVD player to the other DVD player. It's it the features are worth paying for if you're on a long trip with a bunch of young kids and you you don't want to be screaming the whole time. They're definitely worth it. So I know what you're saying. You can get by 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 velcroing an iPad on, but it's it's not really as easy as popping that DVD in. There is a oh no, don't be wrong. I I, under, I definitely get what you're what you're saying. Um, I mean, think about mom having to get the chargers out. You know, all the volumes competing with each other with I, the different I get iPads. It. I get it. I guess it's like the I understand it, but I don't understand it because I don't have kids. You know what I mean? I just remember me growing up, and there wasn't any of that shit, so it didn't really. You know it, what I mean? It, it is weird to think that. We were perfectly fine as children sitting inside these vehicles. Yeah, because I don't think like your kids or anybody's kids, not your kids in general, but anybody's kids are benefiting from staring at a screen and being mm-hmm. constantly entertained. But I'm not going to be play the old man card or whatever. It but, makes it way easier but at the for same your life. Token, no at the same token, you know, just you know, 30, 40 years ago, I got hit if I screwed up, right? If, if I mouth back, if if I got too loud. It, there was a physical punishment, right? That physical punishment didn't stop when I was 10, right? I just got hit harder because I needed to be hit harder. There was a different way to discipline back then. Now, it, you don't really have the same way that kids are disciplined. Um, so that's changed. Mom was stay home. Of course, my wife is too. So that really hasn't changed all that much. Right. Um but like, I mean, she used to smoke in the car. You know what I mean? It was a different. It was a completely. I different, get it, and I, I understand. There was no shoulder belts. I just I hear all this shit that you're having with this van, and it's still not figured out. And I question if it's going to get figured out after your mechanic looks at it. I'm sure he's a great mechanic, but I don't think like even a great mechanic can overcome poor engineering. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, and that's that's the part that I wanted. That's really the the moral of this story is that I my first. My first um, instinct was to blame Dodge for a bad uh, fuse panel, and it was never the issue with the headlight. It caused issues with the camera and stuff like that, and there was some there's some reasons for that. But the actual reason that we brought it in, which was for the headlight, it wasn't the fault of that of that fuse block. That was not the cause of the problems that we were seeing. It was something else inside the chain. It was probably a bad igniter to begin with, and that's really shame on Dodge for not properly troubleshooting their own electronics. But when I can't even get the rubber cover without ordering it from Britain, you start to realize the complexity of what these dealerships have to go through when they're dealing with a car that was largely engineered by Mercedes and they're trying to troubleshoot it like it's like it's the same Dodge that they sold yesterday fresh off of the lot, but the electronic components inside it are completely different. If I can't even get this boot without ordering it from Europe, there's there's some assumptions about the electronics in these cars that the average, you know, that the trained Dodge mechanic that comes in isn't necessarily going to be looking for. And uh, that's really the cost of cars now. And that's that's the part to me that's frustrating is that is that cars cost so much. Also, I think what Dodge really should have done at the end of all of this debacle is they should have offered free conversion kits to these owners to switch them back to regular headlights. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, admit you're wrong. Admit that it's not. A, it's a flawed system, and just go back to the way that they've been doing it for decades before. Give me a retrofit kit. Let me slap a regular headlight in my car. You know, right? Because when when the bulb blows, it's eleven bucks. Yeah, it might blow a little bit more often than these special um, high intensity discharge. Um, I've, I've replaced lights. one bulb in my Kia. I've had it for like seven years. You're a freak of nature, dude. I guess I replace a headlight in my Honda every two years. Really? Yeah. Yep. About every two years, I have to I have to swap out a, a headlight for some reason. All right, enough about my goddamn car. Cars but it is are expensive. Just, what's that? It is expensive. It's though. it's expensive. There's a lot of things. So, I I just want to say, so you're saying that um, you're tired about talking about your headlight switch, and that we should switch the topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what else is expensive? Healthcare is expensive. Oh, it is. <laughs> so double vac. So this is something I still don't really know that much about, and I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna sit down with somebody to learn more. But um, I'm trying to figure out the feasibility of leaving my day job and just working for myself. My company is doing well, and it, it's it's a possibility. But one of the struggles that I'm looking at is the cost of healthcare, and for my my family plan that I have right now, if, if I were to buy it on the open market, it's $2,100 a month. To preface like people that don't know, which I would assume most people know, um, the Affordable Health Care Act, which a lot of times you'll hear is Obamacare or whatever, mm-hmm. um, came out. And with that came some stipulations, uh, one of which was that you have to have insurance. Yeah, or you pay a fine at the end of the or tax season. Or you pay a fine at the end of the year. Um, but you have to prove that you've been insured. So not all um, employers, because some are very small, um, they can't afford to offer their employees health benefits, could afford that. So what Affordable Health Care Act did was create, have each, is it, I think it's state by state, right? Each state create I, I hadn't realized that until I went looking. Yes, I can only get it from the New York State marketplace, and I don't even understand how that's possible. Well, I don't know why my health care has to go through a different online portal than the guy an hour away from me. I don't understand that. And it's it's, it's funny that you talk about that because my um my 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 significant other is kind of struggling with that right now because their theirs was from California, and they moved over to VA, but their their insurance is still from the California exchange. Is there, and, is there problems with that? Um, well, no, they're just trying. They're well, they're trying to actually get like they're trying to get insurance through their employer right now because they're they're buying they're buying the California plan, but it's also kind of like you're not supposed to. As fucked up as it is, like you're talking about the exchange thing, like it's not portable between states, like you know the the, the, the California the Cali, like New York insurance doesn't necessarily work in other you know other other regions because it's like a fucking card it, it's the the weird card it's one of the it's one of the bigger problems with the the health exchange the way that they did it is that never mind that you got to try and find a fucking plan it may not work outside of your home base right you know like in your in europe like your insurance is good wherever yeah but like in America, yeah. in somehow America. Los Estados Unidos can't fucking unite our goddamn healthcare. What's interesting to me is the cost, though. First of all, the plan that I have for my employer, 
when I started working, let's say 98, 97, 98, when I started working, the healthcare plans that were being offered were about the same as what I have for my family now. The copays have gone up a little bit because the cost of living has gone up. But the plan itself is pretty similar. The idea is your health insurance provider pays everything and you just get hit with copays. The copays are supposed to de incentivize you from going to the doctor too much so that it costs less to the insurance company. But everything that you get is covered from a healthcare perspective. The Dental is always a weird one. It's usually expensive and you don't get a whole lot from it. But from a healthcare perspective, and this has been about the same since I entered the workforce. When I first started, I want to say like a doctor's visit copay was 10 bucks, 15 bucks. Now, after, you know, 20 years of working or so, now the copay is about 25 to $30. So it's gone up. But that's because the cost of living has gone up and $30 is about the same inconvenience as it, you know, as 15 was back then. And, uh, and you're fine. What's changed is, at least from my perspective, is that the plan that I have is now considered the best possible plan anybody could carry. It went from just being what employers offered to being something that they call a Cadillac plan, they call a platinum plan, and it's just the idea that the insurance company is going to pick up the bill, you pay the copay. On the uh, New York State um, version of Obamacare, whatever the heck it's called, the Affordable Health Care Act. It's wasn't it the Empire Plan or something like that. Because um, uh, when. New York, I, I, I don't know what it's called. Well, no, because I... I, I any, it's yeah, their okay. marketplace. Because like you said, it's yeah. state by state. On New York State's marketplace, in order to maintain the coverage and the copays that I have now, it is over $2,000 a month for my family. And this is where it gets interesting because we haven't had... They call it catastrophic, but we haven't had any catastrophic events. You know, besides the the... the the birth of our children, which gets expensive with all the nurses and and um, and stuff like that, we haven't really had any large bills. Most of our visits have been to urgent care, to um, uh, you know the emergency room, to uh, scheduled doctors' visits, dentists. We don't spend two. Th- if we were to just pay out of pocket for the services that we've had since I've had children, which my oldest is almost nine, so nine years, with the exception of childbirth, we, won't, we wouldn't spend 2000 a year on health care. Yeah. Out of pocket. <coughs> so what's interesting to me is it's like, I'm sorry, 2000 a year, <laughs> 2000 a month, um, which ends up being a lot more than that. It ends up being close to twenty four thousand a year. And is that can you is that pre tax dollars or yeah okay so at least at least it's pre tax. It's tax deductible, but as is as is because what happens with the employers? The employers it picks up like 40, 60 percent of it, and then you the premium that you pay is just a percentage, right? And everybody pays the same amount, and that's not so bad because it's your shared. But what happens is employers that have a lot of employees. 
what they do is they they're able to make it affordable because the guy that's on you know dialysis and it's costing a lot of money, or the guy that's on a lot of prescriptions, it's costing a lot of money. It's being balanced out by those those eighteen year olds that are getting hired to have perfect health. So when you sh- when you're in a large pool, the, the you can get the rates lower if you have a young workforce keeping them low. On the open market, there's no pool. But what's kind of bothers me is they don't care about your risk. Now, I don't know if they should because if it's if it's a plan that everyone can share, I don't know if they should care about the risk. You're in the same risk pool as everyone else. But if that's the case, why is it priced as if I'm a high risk? It almost seems... Um and I hate to say it, but it just—it almost seems pointless. Like the whole, it, it almost it essentially rendered the Affordable Health Care Act pointless, because a lot of people, for the coverage they would need if something, God forbid, really bad did happen, you know, they're they're fucked. Well, they're still fucked. You know, and part of, part of it too was that like this whole premise was the subsidies were supposed to be based based on either the 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 tax. You know, like the tax that you're paying at the end of the year or the fucking taxes on the Cadillac plans. And half the insurance providers just told you to eat shit and die. And they they yanked. New York State's website never asked me how much I make when I looked up the pricing. It never asked me how much I make. I got to look again. Now, this is another thing that gets interesting. So about, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. I was having this conversation with my uh, my sister-in-law. She was uh, she was an office manager for a doctor's office, a small doctor's office. Have about five, eight doctors in there, and it's just a family practice, right? I asked her about healthcare, and at the time, her husband's healthcare was covering her family. Sure, her husband had a job with a large employer, and he was able to cover her and all the kids. I I asked her what options her doctor's office offered, and it was this was eight years ago. I think was I think it was before Obamacare, but her if she were to go on the same plan as what the doctors were paying out of pocket, the doctors were paying a thousand dollars a piece eight years ago, a thousand dollars out of pocket for their health care plan. So the people rendering the services to somebody like you and I who have what is now perceived as a Cadillac plan, we're spending a lot more out of pocket for health care. They're, the, they're a fucking doctor, right? Well, what really started this is um, a friend of ours, a graduate um, of ours, um, a high school graduate, uh, Shanti, had posted. Um, she's a nurse. And she posted up, she said, I spend every month paying a lot of money on healthcare. And then every time my kid gets sick, I have to spend a lot of money on healthcare. And that's, I think, kind of explains this problem. If you still have to pay a large amount of money out of pocket with these high deductible plans, being forced into a high deductible plan doesn't really have any rewards. Furthermore, like I said, with the two grand, if I'm not spending two grand out of pocket on healthcare, I'm just going to wait until the tax season comes around, and I'm going to pay the IRS whatever fee they hit me for not having, for not being in um, on Obamacare. 
let's say the fee is $5,000. My return on investment was two and a half months, right? That's a lot of money. Maybe the return on investment's a little longer when you consider how much coverage I would have had versus how much I would have spent out of pocket. But we're not talking about a lot of money here. If you're just going for well visits, if you're just going for checkups at the dentist, even when you have dental work, de most dental plans pretty much punish you for having to get anything done that's not a checkup, right? Right. You want to get a crown? They consider that cosmetic and they only cover 50%. That, they charge you they charge you a cosmetic fee, like as if you were getting Botox. They charge you a cosmetic fee. They try de-incentivizing you to replace a missing tooth. How is that right? Well, they want you to die. Yeah, they, I, I mean, mean, the they, fact they, is... It's, 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 have you ever tried going to a job interview without a tooth? I mean, like, no, I... I How is that cosmetic? We, we... Well, yeah, you just kind of described it in cosmetic terms. Well, unfortunately, yeah, that's because we're superficial as fuck, right? You totally fucking undercut your own argument. But did I, though? Yeah. You need a job. You need a job, and you're saying that you need to look the part, so that's a cosmetic concern, not a health no, concern. No, but, but it's, it's... so. What if you're working in a warehouse and you're limping, right? I mean, there's certain assumptions that the interviewer makes when they see you missing teeth. Unfortunately, right? It's... It's a problem, but it's a cultural problem. It's not a cosmetic problem. It's a cultural thing. You see someone without teeth, and they look different to you, and you think different about them. Maybe you and I don't, but it's a classic, culture does. No, it's a classist thing. It is it a classist, is a classist it, it, thing, absolutely. But it's we, you know, and again, we the specific to, instance you're at, you're talking about is a cosmetic issue. No, but because, it's not though, because it has real life consequences. If you can't get a job, it doesn't matter if it's cosmetic, Wade. It's cultural, right? Right. If you can't get a job, it doesn't matter if, if if it's if it's perceived as cosmetic. What matters is at the end of the day, if I can't keep employment because of because of my missing tooth, it is a need, right? It is something that you need because without it, you can't get food, you can't feed your family. Well, no, but you'll have insurance, free insurance. <laughs> I mean, that's the fucking truth but, of it. But, the but irony, right? The right, irony. Yeah. But, but you, you lose your job, and that's the only thing you can really get is health care. <laughs> right. You can get Medicare or Cade care, I think. Well, for, for now, I mean, like, you know, not to get too political. Listen, the, the problem with the, insurance. Medicare for none. It's just, I don't have an answer. It's a, I understand it's like a complicated thing, but it doesn't seem like it's all that complicated to the rest of the fucking world. For the most part, it seems like they've got it figured out, which it seems that the most successful ones are. Everyone gets a basic healthcare thing, right? Like you're, we're not the country's not going to let you die. I mean, twenty four thousand uh, dollars. <laughs> I'd say I. They won't. Twenty four thousand dollars is more than I pay Oracle every year I, for my company to be able to have them fix problems for us, right? I'm One of the world's largest corporations will fix bugs. With, with their product yeah, for less than how much it costs for me to go to the doctors, or for my family, I should say, right. to go to the What's doctor. What's your point, guys? So, I want, you know, again, anecdotal evidence is not evidence of, of, of anecdote, but um, as a person, and again, uh, 
I don't know if Cassie could have like actually like if the treatment. I'm not talking about this country. Them. I'm kind of bashing America. I'm not saying America is gonna not gonna, America will absolutely let you die. Oh, I, I'm I, talking I, about I other countries' okay, health plans yeah, saying no, yes. we're not gonna let you die. I, I, I know I know I know people who personally have most likely died because they got told to eat shit. In other countries? No, I mean here. No, yeah. I'm not talking about America will that. let you die if if there's a regular <clears throat> drug that you need that you can't afford. But like I mean, if you go in, if you go or in regular with, treatment that you need, that you yeah, can't afford. Yeah, but if you go in, if you go into a, a hospital and you're dying, they won't let you die. I mean, well, no, right, and that's it, the problem. What is I'm you're saying, live like, in the hospital like for the rest and of I, hate, I don't want to model, model everything after Canada, but the Canadian is is pretty similar to a lot of the European kind of policies, where it's just everyone has a basic form of healthcare that they don't have to worry about spending money on. Although they they do anyway with their tax dollars, right? Well, well, did you? I mean, if you talk to people from Canada, because they most of them they end up going out and, and getting supplemental health care because because the basic one they, they right. claim and isn't there are good tiered enough. systems, right? Because because on the basic one there are longer waits, and you know, like I said, they're not going to let you die. But if you got a fucking a problem with your knee, well, the doctor has to make a priority. Like I can't or, look at your knee because I got to look at this guy with pulmonary embolism, or, or your in-network providers two hours away. Right. You know that's some of the problems that that, that Obamacare introduced is that it drove up the the premiums um, because the uh, the speculation on higher costs because more people were going to be getting insurance that it was going to cost more for the insurance so the premiums went up and in response to that the insurance carriers started shrinking their in networks and their when their networks shrunk you actually were forced to drive further to get the same care that you were getting down the I road. I just, I feel, I don't know. I'm so torn between it, but I just don't think that health insurance should be a profitable uh, industry. I'm, I just, I don't, I, and I, I'm, an, I'm the same person that says a lot of fucking government tape and bullshit mucks the system up and is not successful. But when it comes to like health, healthcare, I, there's just something very seedy about an insurance being used to profit from it. It's just a it's a basic human right. Like it's a it's a basic human condition. Like it shouldn't really be a question of can you afford it or not, or how it shouldn't even come into question. Will you fucking face financial ruin because something just happens? Something that's right. really not really in your under your control. I mean. At this point, I'm actually thinking about paying out of pocket for healthcare because I know I can afford the regular stuff, right? I mean, at twenty four thousand a year, I can, if I'm going to be spending twenty four thousand a year anyway, I can afford to pay out of pocket for a dentist appointment, right? If I don't pay the twenty four thousand, but I have to stop and say, what do I do if there's a major problem? What do I do if if a leg gets broken? What if I do if, if there's a major health problem and one of, and one of my children has to go into the and hospital? And here's the other thing you're not even thinking about. Like if you want to go into business for yourself, which this is the craziest thing as well. This is like America, you know, the you know, the it's the, like the American dream. You can go and make it on your own. If you work hard enough and you and you come up with a good enough idea, you should be able to to, to, to be a world slayer. But the fact is is that compound that shit with the crazy expensive insurance for you and your family then God forbid misfortune becomes you, you're also out of work for fucking, you're also, and you work for yourself. Right. You're out of work for fucking potentially a month, month and a half. Like, right. And, and, and I'm formed, my company's formed as an LLC. As an LLC, um, officers don't get protections that an employee would get. So 
um, first of all, I can't hire myself as an employee, right? Right. So I, the whole like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to withhold this on your paycheck. I'm going to withhold this on the paycheck. The LLC doesn't allow that. And it makes sense. And it's because I earn money as the company earns money. So it wouldn't make sense to, to try using a paycheck to do those things. But like um, workers' compensation type stuff where right. you get hurt, officers, officers of a company are, are, are actually excluded. They can't get workers' comp. There's, there's a lot of strange things that you're not protected as an employee once you decide to go into business for yourself. And I understand why the laws are written the way they are. I mean, my day job is in insurance. I understand the way risk works. I understand why the exemptions exist. But I also think that if tomorrow, I mean, my, my night job, my night job actually is paying me more annually now than my day job. So it's only common sense to stop and say, how do I just work one job? And this is like this is the ult- ultimately why I continue to go back to you know like every Medicaid for all. Like because the fact is we're already paying a shit ton in it, right? And it's not being done correctly because <laughs> you could free up a spot at your company with a good paying job and you'd be great and this other person would be great and it's more st- it's stimulating the economy even more cuz now you have two spenders instead of one but instead because the fucking insurance premiums are so high and they're essentially making it non-feasible for you there's a business that's more successful than your day business as far as profit generate profit generation that it's it's stifling the fucking economic growth of the area. I remember uh, on a I, micro level. My, I had a we had an economics teacher in high school, um, or I don't, not even economics, but whatever the hell topic it would be, it was like the FBLA guy or whatever. Yeah, and he said something to me which I'll always remember. Um, he said, "When you make your own business, the first million dollars is the toughest." And I always used to think that that statement was true. But now having run a business for the last six years, I realize that the real, the, the modern adaptation of that is if you're running your own business, you must make a million dollars a year. I really truly believe it. I believe that the business itself needs to make a million dollars in order to be able to afford itself. And by itself, I mean you the person that's helping you run it, any employees that you bring on, healthcare, workers' compensation. I mean, just stuff like human resources issues, right? There's, there's stuff like HIPAA laws. You're not supposed to talk about certain things with your employees. And it's extremely expensive to be able to to run a business. The only other thing I can think of is people are just, you know, like like you think, I always go back to the, the, the person on Etsy, right? I think of the person on Etsy as somebody that's home, they found out that they have a craft that will sell. And, you know, they can manufacture it for one price, whether they're doing it by hand, whether they're ordering parts from, um, from someone else. They can put it together and they can sell it. They have to move, 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 move product. Let's say they sell $75,000 worth of something they've created on Etsy and they're having the same questions in the back of their head. They're like, man, that's a lot that I've sold. Well, 
if the markup is enough, let's say that they've gotten 50000 on top of that. A lot of the money is going to taxes. Then the money goes to health care. How do they make a living off but of this that? Is, Are they eating is, ramen noodles every night? Well, this, is, no the, this is the fucking issue that is, it's the underlying issue with this country. And I love this country because it's home. But I'm, I, love, I love it less and less when I hear shit like this. Because the fact is, when you talk about, well, a good portion that's going to taxes, well, you're absolutely fucking right. And what are you getting for your taxes? Some bloated fucking military budget that we, that's really not necessary. Like, it's not. These ridiculous... And we have friends that work for military contractors. Like, and I'm sorry, dude. Well, those fucking Canadian geese out there are like getting down. <laughs> they're sorry. upset as well. <laughs> but like, well, they're like, fucking dude, we've got great, we've got great insurance <laughs> up in Canada. <laughs> they're weighing in. Yeah, they're like, they're talking mad shit over you. are like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. But I can't hear you over my mandatory health like, You coverage. already pay roughly 30% of your fucking paycheck to Uncle Sam anyway, what the fuck is he giving you? Mm-hmm. Like, and there's so many people. It's like that's never talked about. I feel it's never because everything is behind closed no, doors, and you don't know how much the spending goes to. But I've heard, I've, I've seen some of the numbers. But unless you live in like a big city where you have a lot of freelance workers, I mean, I wasn't raised with business. It was almost like you get like the future business leaders of America meetings. It's like, it was almost a joke. Yeah, it's but like, dude, it's people like, that are raised with business aren't out there creating their own businesses. They're fucking working for, for mom and dad established yeah. fucking corporations that pay them well. Yeah. There are very few fucking people out there that are actually making a go of it with their own, you know, there's, they've got an idea, they've got a plan, they've tested it out. It works. Trace, like you're, you're a shiny example of, you should be able to fucking not have to worry about your day job. You should be able to go out on your own with your company and provide for your family with the amount of money that your company is currently making and and not have to worry about it. But the fact is, is that this country's fucking flawed majorly. And one of the major flaws is the healthcare. And frankly, I'm I'm sorry, dude. Like we the money's here. We're the richest country in the world. Easily, by far. And <laughs> we spend more on our military than anybody, and than, we spend than the mo- next ten countries combined. combined. Yeah, and we're talking about like fucking Russia and China, and mm-hmm. like these aren't just like joke pushover cream puff fucking military. Like these are legit. Like if these fuckers step but, to us, it would be scary. But doesn't it make you realize though that in today's world, to live the American dream, you have to do one of two things. Number one, you have to have nothing to lose. Right. And devour the heart of a previous rich person so you can steal well, their power. Well, I mean, let's assume let's assume that they're doing it on their own, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have nothing to lose because, you know, in, in a case like mine, I mean, I started my company, I had one child. Now, you know, six years later, I have three children. I've grown to really rely on the comfort of healthcare. We don't use it, but when you have a family of five that could potentially have something really, really catastrophic go wrong, you want to be prepared. You don't want to come up with an eighty thousand. You absolutely bill. have to be prepared because, dude, you're talking about losing your home yeah. and how where your family fucking stays. Right. If so, but doesn't when I say this, I live in the richest country in the world. And I make 
I don't know, Trace, like if you combined, if, if you just took your day job, you could say you probably make two times the household medium income, at least, I'd say. Yeah. And because if something were to happen that I would have no control over, there was an accident, you know, someone got sick, I would lose, we would lose our home potentially and be ruined. What, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. If you can't do it in the richest country in the nation, how could you do it anywhere? Right. It, it almost makes you want to move somewhere where the, where, where, where the health care is included and where the cost of living is cheaper. And people are like, oh, you should hear the horror stories. I got, a, I got friends that live across the way. Oh, I, I had to wait, you know, four months to get my knee fixed or whatever. I walked around on a crutch. Boo fucking who, dude. I'm really sorry. Would you have rather? But here's the other aspect of it. Buddy that lives across the pond. Mm-hmm. Goes to have surgery done on his bicep. He tears a bicep. Mm-hmm. He has dual citizenship. He goes to fucking England and gets that shit done. It took a while. He had to wait, but he got it done. Mm-hmm. Comes back to America. Car breaks down. Pushes his car out of the fucking out of the road to the side of the road. He fucking ruptures his Achilles. That's that's not something that you can fucking push put off. Like that's something that needs to be fixed immediately. Yeah. Ambulance picks him up to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Dude now lives in England because his debts were were his so, debts were so large. He, could, he, couldn't he afford, said, "I'll never pay him off." Couldn't afford to fix his. I'll never deal. pay him off. I have to leave the country. Wow. Like. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Like. Yeah. <laughs> if it, and it's <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it does really make me want to move out of this country. Now, not that I could. You no, know, I don't know how I saying, would. But, and that's not the answer because I, I don't think the answer is to move out. The answer, though, is to, is to change stuff. Like the answer is to not. I mean, I'll go buy one of those houses that's rotting away up on Route 5, you know, where the, 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 the entire property and, and oh, house value so is $7,000 and it's rotting into the ground. Make that my residence so that my taxes are low, so that I have no mortgage payment, and then have a quote-unquote vacation home in some other country and just make sure that I return to the United States on whatever my whatever my travel visa says I have to. Like I mean, at this point, could I live could I live on a tropical island in Mexico and have better have a better yeah. quality of life. I mean, I, you wonder, right? Yeah. And this is like this is the this is the problem that I kind of have um this is a legitimate thing. And we're so divided here with this bipartisan fucking nonsense where you're either you're left or you're right and it's you, and if you're one if you're if you're not for it Obama's them. a terrorist. Yeah, exactly. Obamacare is illegal. And it's this shit that's like Dude, yeah, you know what? Obamacare, Affordable Health Care Act, whoever you want to identify it as, has some major issues. Now, I'm not going to get into the total politics of it. However, the Republicans completely bastardized the fucking shit and changed all the stuff so that it essentially made it an effective turd that would piss that would actually well, act as a weapon that pissed a lot of people well, off. I don't know if I don't know if it was the Republicans, but I, I think that, that there is there is evidence that the healthcare industry itself Helped shape the thirteen hundred. You know what? And good point because it wasn't all just Republicans. I'm sure there were some yeah. crummy fucking Democrats that well, were but, paid off know, by that as thing, well. The thing, but the thing is, is that that was Mitt Romney's plan too. I mean, that was that was pretty much again because 
the ACA is effectively Romney care or whatever, the Massachusetts plan, and the Massachusetts plan was done by think tanks that were part of the Massachusetts Massachusetts? Insurance. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. You said it like four Massa- fucking times. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. That's how he pronounces that. Massachusetts. 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 It's a mass of two shits. Massive, mass of two shits, yes. Um, but no, but, but it's the, their, their state insurance plan was conceived entirely in freaking insurance industry think tanks. It, it's just, I understand it's so profitable, right? The healthcare industry in general, but the insurance is super profitable. So I kind of get that, like, it almost seems like it's too late. But like, you you have to take a stance at some point. Yeah, I mean, when when I when I when I know doctors and nurses that aren't happy with their healthcare, yeah, they work in the industry, dude. Yeah. If anybody, like, it's like if you're you like are a mechanic, you shouldn't have to worry about your car. Yeah. Or if you're an IT guy, you shouldn't have to worry about your computer. Mm-hmm. Oh no, you like always if, you always worry. About if you're your a computer. nurse or a doctor, you shouldn't have to worry about the cost of healthcare. At the very least, you fucking be right there. You're administering right. it. Right, but the reality is, is when they have a major thing happen, they have to go to the same hospital that you and I do. And the fact that they're a nurse doesn't make their treatment any no, cheaper. No, you're right. It's screwed up. I, I, I mean, I'm not saying that they should get they should get cheaper. They should have cheaper rates for the same services, but it's screwed up that even in the healthcare industry itself, healthcare is a problem. What yeah. the fuck? It's fucked, dude. And here's the thing: America is super classist, and it's obviously always going to be about a disparity of of, of funds and, and resources and whatever. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. I don't want to get on this dystopian future bullshit like we <laughs> always do. However. Then make it different. Then have basic health health insurance for everyone. And then if, if you have the extra money, make it a higher tier program. And you get it in front of everybody else and you get the best care. But at least give everybody a, a shot at like, you know, making a go of it on their own. Because right now the way it is, it's like, oh, you got to get in with someone with health insurance. Like you got to get in with a big company. You got to get, in, you know, it's and, like. And don't you think at some point um, it's it, it's there's a problem with the perceived salary versus the cost you know if we were in if we were in in, in, in an expanding city like charlotte right sure charlotte's a great example of a like a yeah. city that just past 10 years just caught on like and if you and i just busting our ass for a big company we're bringing in let's say close to two hundred thousand dollars a year salary sure. right just naturally just going to work just having a nine to five that Paying out of pocket for that health care doesn't really seem as crazy when your salary is that high, but 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 the thing is is that that's unique to to cities, right? That's unique to to places where the economy is doing well. A huge portion of the United States is little areas like Canastota, New York. In fairness, more people, and it's somewhat recently live in cities than in rural areas in this country. But it's just been a very, very, very recent change. But even then, well, even- Wade, you and I, Collett and Gunner, you know, high high skill college education, right? We are actually would be considered upper middle class in the city, right? There's still people that are working full time in customer service you know the people that are that are making the food for us that are waiting on our tables that aren't making that much money right. 
that, that still can't afford it. So even though the majority of people live in cities, that do, the majority of people don't make that much of a salary, right? right. The difference is, is those people are making closer to what we make in this in this depressed area, um, in an economically de- sorry an economically depressed area like you know like a rural area like Canastota, New York, sure. they're making closer to our salary, but they have big city expenses. Well, absolutely, the expense the cost of living goes up almost exponentially the closer you get to a major city hub. But I I don't understand how. I really, I really don't understand how people can afford to run a business. I don't know how they do it. It's, it's. I feel it's, like they're all running in the red. None of them are actually profiting. So it's tough because, like, um, one of my, yeah, one of my, one of my, I, I don't know how you phrase it, online friends, friends, however thing. Um, they an have, associate of yours. Yeah. Well, so they have a business where they make um Cyber guitar. Friend. Oh no! I mean, Fran's Fran's cool. Um, Massachusetts. No, well, they're 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 out, they're out of Pittsburgh, but um, also they, known they, as Pittsburgh. Pips, Pittsburgh. 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 The Pit. Um, so they run a business where they make um, guitar effect pedals. Okay. Mm-hmm. And part of that also is like they kind of have they 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 have like a online studio thing, just electronics history stuff like that. And they keep getting bumped out. And it's like, you know, New York has the same problem where it's like, you talk about, so we're doing this thing where we're concentrating more and more people into urban centers. But at the same time, all of the real estate's getting bought up in these urban centers for investment vehicles for like oligarchs and everybody else from other countries to just kind of sack money away so they can BS the accounting stuff. And again, not getting too much political, but like, because... Um, Fran lost her place because Jared Kushner's brother bought a whole bunch of, like, is basically buying a whole bunch cool. of Jared Kushner. No, who is the person? Uh, Fran, Fran. Delash. Is that the person that's making the guitar, guitar yes. pedals? Okay. So the guitar pedal, this is a guy or a girl? Girl. Girl. So she, she's making guitar pedals, but she got pushed out of her place because... Well, because what happened is that um, she still had her rental agreement, mm-hmm. but the landlord basically just everyone sold around her, mm-hmm. and like it's hard to run a factory when you're kicking fucking asbestos up in a in an old like a, a you know like mm-hmm. what used to be like a, a factory block. But yeah, what they're doing is they're buying all this like business real estate around mm-hmm. there, pushing people out and throwing up luxury condominiums and stuff like that. Right, and it's. You know, it's this, it's this, it's this opposing diametric where it's like, what do they say? Like by twenty forty, um, eighty percent of the pop, you know, basically the majority of the people in the United States are going to live in eight states, and even that, it's going to be what? desert. So that's we got to. No, 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 just tell me, tell me what you mean. You don't have to look it up. So um, shift. So you were, the, the, we're essentially the masses are. If they look at the trends, the. Densities of population in this country continue to head towards these centers, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're saying you're saying that the majority of people will live in one of eight states. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. I was trying to figure like out North how North Dakota is going to be even more sparsely populated. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of these things where they're talking about like you know how how American politics survive, you know, like how the American political system survives mm-hmm. in a thing where effectively only eight people, you know, like the that you have huge swaths of the country basically determining it for people who don't you know like sure, again, sure. anyways sure. 
But um, so the, guitar the, but, paddles. But the, but the Samantha, even that, like in a direct experience, like the 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 fabric the the fabric district in New York, which was kind of like you know like the like the only one really outside of like you go to the West Coast in LA and stuff. But yeah, Kushner, Kushner the Kushner siblings and stuff like that are dumping all this money. And basically pushing everybody off the island because it's it's more you know like it's more. So talk talk to me about the. I understand yeah, you gotta, why you gotta, I understand right, why so, real estate real estate. So you're talking about how like how business, businesses are why in the they red. push people out. But yeah, talk. Let's. I, I want to talk a little bit about this this guitar pedal business because okay. because that's kind of how you segue in, right? Yeah. I was like, I don't know how people survive. Well, it, but but the thing. So the, the the thing is, is that you have. So it's a profitable business, you know. Like you, you can make you can make a go of it, as long as the externality costs aren't too high. You know, like you're talking right. healthcare. Um, In her case, rent, is, right? So rent, she had a storefront. Yeah, and she probably, from a guitar pedal perspective, she probably relies on foot traffic. Well, you know, I mean, like you do online stuff, but it's also like you just you have to have a place. You she, know, she like, has to have a place to manufacture. You can't doing do it in your home. Yeah, ass- yeah. Ass- assembly in the United States is a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also like the whole point of the city was that like you were around supply chains and stuff right, like this. Right. And it's like if you're pushing people out of yeah these areas, it's mm-hmm. like how do you fu- yeah it's like how do you fucking there you can't have are you like basically. There's 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 no transition step from small business to medium business to big business because you never you never get to a point where you're doing enough you're you're enough ahead yeah that you can invest and kind of like push push past and this is the problem I watch a lot of Shark Tank and I know it's reality TV but it's also a bunch of real entrepreneurs trying their hardest to make and sell something and. Uh, What'll happen is somebody will come on and and they'll say, you know, how long have you been in business? They'll be like, um, six years. You know, what were your sales from last year? And they're like, um, they were $95,000. And they'll be like, well, you have a hobby, not a business. I'm like, is, is that true though? I mean, shouldn't you be able to live off of $95,000? Yeah, I mean, even if you took, uh, yes, absolutely. Because if someone said- That's not a hobby. If, I think anyone in this country, if they said- I would. I want to offer you a job at ninety five thousand dollars a year. Of a vast majority of the country would say, "Fuck yeah, let's yeah, do it." Yeah, like a, a good portion of it. Don't around there. Are plenty of people make a lot more than that. Of course, those people are also getting health insurance. Right, but that's the thing. Like, so <laughs> no, this guy doesn't have. This guy has a hobby, because the cost of living, of, of literally just living in this country, yeah, is astronomical. More astronomical than it should be because there's plenty of fucking money to go around. So how? So 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 Fran's getting booted from her. Yeah. Um, we should have her on, by the way. Um, so Fran's getting booted from from her the her storefront, which is also where she's doing her manufacturing mm-hmm. of these pedals. Yeah. Um, is is she looking for another place? Well, is she no, going to have she, to go she, purely no, had, online? We, no. And again, that was kind of like you know the Patreon and everything else, like. She, she did relocate outside of Pittsburgh, like a little farther outside of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. But again, it's but just she's this being one. driven away from the resources yes. yeah. that make her that, that allow her to be prosperous to begin with. Yes. Yeah. And it's like one thing if we're doing, so, you know, like it's it's one thing. Like there are certain businesses that kind of give you a, a little flexibility. Like you're doing technical, you're doing technical work. So 
By yeah, its I'm very, fortunate. By its very, I'm by, fortunate. I can be anywhere. By its very nature, because, it's, because I sell computer software, it's and computer local. software doesn't cost anything to make a copy of, and the support can all happen remotely thanks to the computers are fucking wonderful and I can I can connect into a computer in India or China or Spain without any issues. I'm also very fortunate that all programming languages are written in English. Yep. So every computer program no. that I deal with in another country at least has the basic understanding of English language. So even if they can't understand what I'm saying, I can type it to them. Right. And it works. So, yeah, I'm very fortunate from a relocation perspective. But it also makes me wonder if maybe I'm just too small. If I'm just too small town boy right now and and I really need to set my sights on a much, much, much larger uh, profit. Okay. You know, if I need to, it, it, you know, if, if I need, really need to be focusing on what can I do in the next two years to be bringing in millions of dollars instead of tens or hundreds of thousands but of dude, dollars. If in two years you go from, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars, that seems like an exponential amount of growth, and it doesn't yeah. seem like you currently have the infrastructure to support that. And I don't yeah. think in two years you'd have the infra- infrastructure to support that. I don't know. It's it would probably be growing too fast. It, I mean, it wouldn't be unheard of, but yeah. But I this mean, is the problem that Gunnar's talking about. Yeah, there's no fucking transition from, from small no tra- to that, medium. Right. That's my concern. Right? right. That's my concern is that I don't know how to I don't know how to transition that. And if, you know, part of it is that the fact that I'm doing two jobs, so I can't dedicate as much time to it. But it sounds like Fran's having a similar issue where she's just trying to run a business. She's just trying to sell guitar pedals, but she's being pushed out of the very ecosystem that allowed her to exist to right. begin with. And it's, you know, that's not getting into like fucking health, again, health insurance, everything right. like that. It's it, just it, it's, it's it's the constant I asked my carpenter, right? Yeah. Now, how does he do it? This guy, he he comes from a family of business owners. Sure. Right. His grandfather started a supermarket in the area. His grandfather ended up uh, uh, franchising it with a bigger name. He ended up selling a plot of land to this to the parent company of that franchise. End up getting some money. His father started another supermarket because they kind of got pushed out of their own once they once they sold some property. They had to sign some agreements for a non compete. His father started another supermarket, and they have they have several different revenue sources. Their family has an island on the St. Lawrence, beautiful. Uh, it's not their island, but they have a camp on an island in the St. Lawrence, a beautiful, um, beautiful uh, camp on a beautiful island, and. He what he does, he's a cabinet maker. He makes cabinets for a living, which it's it's tough to do this in the United States, right? Sure. You really have to be doing this in a rural area where where the cost of the cabinet is significant money to you because most places would rather outsource the manufacturing to different places. Um, I actually didn't hire him to do my cabinets because he was more expensive. Than the cabinets that we could have gotten at the at the uh, the depart at the um, Lowe's the or Home, Home Depot or wherever, sure. Yeah, um, it, you know, I mean, I think I think his quote came in forty percent higher than than the brand that we ended up going with. We did pay him to install them though, and he's, he did a great job. But I asked him yesterday. I said, I said, hey, uh, what do you what do you do for healthcare? 
right? Now, this is a guy who has shares in the corporation that was his grandpa's business, ended up going to his dad. He has shares in the, in the new store that's, uh, that his brother runs and his father runs. And uh, he has a camp. He, has, he clearly has revenue, right? He has revenue from his business. He has revenue from the shares that he owns in some other businesses. And you know what his response to me was? Take What's a wild that? guess. I don't have health insurance. I just pay the fucking penalty. That's what he said. Of course. That sucks. He's a fucking carpenter. Right. He, he's cut his hands. A ladder. <laughs> he's cut his hands 20 times since he's been at my house. Right? It, not that cutting your hand means you got to go to the doctor, but it just gives you an idea. Yeah, you could fall off a ladder. And he's 10 years older than I am. It's just like... He's more likely to have health issues. Absolutely. It, and he know. says, I don't have it. And he's and this is a guy that's set up, that's got, you know, that got a little bit of a head start as far yeah. as financial resources and stuff like that. But if you think about it, if he were to spend... I mean, he's he's got he's got a he's got a a girlfriend. She probably does have health care. If they were married, he'd probably just get hers. Sure, but um, for some reason, they never got married. They've been together forever. For some reason, they never got married. So he's not riding on her insurance. Um, it's, it's actually a reason to get married, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. a lot of people have have figured that out. You you almost have to marry someone that, with health insurance, um, or or else you're both paying into the system, and it doesn't make sense. <coughs> Excuse me, but. If you think about the cost, let's say let's say it's a thousand dollars a month for him, just just for himself, for yeah. a decent plan. That could be the amount that he's putting into his camp. Right, right. He's got his he's he's splitting the taxes with his family. He's got to pay for upkeep. Um, that could be his camp, his quality of life. Well, what he considers quality, which is you know, we we I think we've talked about, we talked about this on an earlier podcast too. Like I know. I know people who the only reason that they are they were able to start successful businesses were one they weren't Americans, but two like they had like they were over in England they like they had they had the National Health Service right like you know like the, the, you know because there's there's a significant investment just getting things off the ground. I mean, I think and, about like you go to Syracuse, you got like uh, recessed coffee, right? Sure. If you were to just drive by it, you'd think it's just a ma and pa coffee place. Right, it's it's an old beat up house with a bunch of chalkboard and you know very um, rustic, I guess rustic Good. slash yeah. hipster place to hang out. Absolutely, great product, right? They have coffee. Yep, they have their their coffee. They cater to veg. You know, they have vegetarian and vegan menus. You know, snacks and stuff that you can get. Their coffees, they have they have vegan coffees, very very good vegan coffees. So they have they have a, a wide range of people that might go there and, and buy it. And and I asked myself, I'm like, how how could this place possibly stay in business, keeping that barista there, just selling eight dollar coffees and six dollar scones? How the hell are they staying in business? And when you go to their website, you realize how. That's because Recess Coffee provides coffee to about 30 other Syracuse businesses. Sure. Right? That's really how they're staying in business is that they have, they, they have scale, they have distribution. That means that they aren't roasting all of their coffee inside that little house. They actually have some other place that they're and roasting. It's roasting the for them. And uh, I mean, I, I, good for them. Right, they can keep the image sure. that they're this hole in the wall, while they're able to 
pay their employees using revenue from other sources. You know, the storefront at that in that point, and maybe this is where the guitar pedal thing comes into play. The storefront actually is more of a marketing. Yeah, which expense. I don't think for the guitar pedal is is the case really. I wouldn't say it's more of marketing. It's they need it for manufacturing. Well, yeah, because you know, again, because how many how many of your, how many because I wouldn't imagine that's a, that's a business where people walk by and oh, want to grab a guitar well, pedal. But right? yeah, like, it's it's also kind of like. If you're not, if you're not a major, if you're not music, music instruments are weird because you have, you have like basically two entirely separate spheres of existence. So you have the on-label stuff like Gibson or Bose or, you know, but, but if you're a person in the, you know, like, but there's also like the people in the know, it's like, I want something different and I don't want La crud. And that's kind of like where Fran, the Frantone brand comes in. Is that like it's 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 kind of a self limiting market because you don't yeah. because well I I think what you're describing Gunner is that musicians by very nature want to be different from each other and because of that you you almost can live exclusively in a break off market right is that what you're saying like you avoid yes. the mainstream once you become mainstream you've just pushed out your client base. Mm-hmm. But that's because, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the arts. And with the arts, there's a certain perception of, of um, kind of the artisan style, uh, the, 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 more, um, the more homebrew, the more crafty type stuff versus the commercially accessible stuff. Right? I mean, yeah. yeah. So what you're saying is that, that Fran is almost has no choice but to live inside a little bubble yeah well of you know economy and, and again it's because like it's not, as she grows she could push out the very people that made her who she you is you know and again it's it's one of those things where it's like how do you how do you balance the like small to medium to big i mean like sometimes it's okay being a medium business it's okay being a small business oh absolutely um but you know but like fran fran only works because she's the only person that's working at her at, at her company you know like it, it's like you've got right. the production process you've got a production process worked out so it's like okay i know all the steps how to crank mm-hmm. you know to maximize my utilization of time so that right. like but I, she's the only one right yeah yeah yeah, it's a crazy thing. I, for me, it's a little different. My brother helps me out, and I got some people that I pay contract. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's very tough to live the American dream in America. <laughs> that's why I'm. That's 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 why I'm preparing my uh, plans to annex Antarctica. Although I I I still have I still have to figure out my. Uh, anti-space Nazi slash Cthulian horror weaponry to uh, fend off those guys because, you know, when the ice melts, they come out from underneath. I wonder how many uh, viable podcasts there are where they're, where they're able to be self-sufficient based on podcast revenue. I, I, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, I, well, I mean, the problem know, with that, though, I think, is nobody gets, as far as I can tell, no one gets... Like really big or viable from being a podcast, it's like they're they were already kind of like had some sort of like success. Like there's a couple. Um, uh, one of them is the Nerdist. Okay, um, that's the guy that did the Talking Dead. What's his name? Uh, I think it was an MTV well, DJ. But the well, yeah, uh, but he was already famous then. But before. the other, but the other thing correct. is correct. However, my point is is that he, I believe, his podcast alone 
is profitable enough for him to live oh, off. Right. Of. No, no. And that's, that's because I'm not like, arguing that. So you're wondering like how viable I'm, I'm trying to look at like gas grassroots. Like how many people have started like a podcast. Right. And now it's sustainable. And I, um, I, I, I know another difficult. example and that's, um, uh, Anthony, but Anthony Bellelli, is that his name? What are you talking? Anthony. I think that's his name. He's a, he's an Italian guy and he's, um, uh, mostly a, a philosophical podcast. It's called the the Drunken Taoist. Okay, I no, I, I did not. I have never and, heard of them. Um, Anthony Bellelli started off as a guest on. I don't know how Joe got him, but Joe Rogan somehow met him, and Joe Rogan was so impressed with with this with this Anthony guy, how how well he talked, the topics that he got into. He convinced Anthony um, to start his own podcast, and the Drunken Taoist is now. Um, it has enough listeners that he's able to uh, he's able to make it his main thing, and he does it with. Now, again, Anthony Bellelli had a career beforehand, so his name was a little bit. I mean, if Joe Rogan has you on, well, yeah, you're, you're not you're just a fly skyrocketed, on yeah, for at right. least a little while. You're going to be. I mean, just look at Joe Rogan changes people's trajectories greatly. Yeah. yeah. With, I mean, really, really smart people like mm-hmm. like Jordan Peterson. I don't think many people knew who Jordan Peterson was oh, before God. he was on Joe Rogan. So, you yeah, random side blurb. So, Jordan Peterson, one of his biggest things making hay was talking like talking about like the downsides of communism and stuff like that. So it just came out. It just came out because he was um. I'm trying to remember the dude that like something Zika. Some dude he was trying to. Jordan Peterson never actually read fucking Dust Capital. Like he's ne- he never Dusk actually Dostoevsky. No, Dust Capital. Like he never actually he the, the he, and again it's one of these things where it's like just funny like you know the the internet age enables us to just defend bullshit based on synopses. Well, that's what our podcast is based on. Oh yes, Garden. yes, I know. Don't I trash just, talk that too much. But but um. <laughs> No, but it's like Peter Peterson never actually read any of fucking Karl Marx, and his whole thing is talking about how fucking stupid Karl Marx is, mm-hmm. and it's just like. But that doesn't make him wrong. Oh right. no, 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 but that's, that's just that's the that's that's the interesting part is it doesn't make him wrong. But the, the thing is, though, I mean, I guess yeah, you shouldn't you should probably shouldn't talk about specifics that you don't really know about, but. It doesn't mean that you can't talk philosophically about it, a concept I, or an idea. I would say there is enough um, evidence from the fall of the USSR to kind of prove <laughs> the point that communism does not work. Yeah. But I don't think you need to read Marx. It's probably a good thing to read. But the problem is, is that everything in Marx's book was, was theory, right? not practice. Well, mm-hmm. the... the, the, the yeah. Anyway. So, so I want to get back to the, I want to get back to viable podcasts. Viable podcasts because because oh, um, we don't have one, <laughs> not yet. Mm-hmm. We can start making up bullshit ad reads and well, just kind of well. First of all, see if the sponsors first of like all, it. if we launched a Patreon, right? If we if we decided that we wanted to launch a Patreon, then there would be money, right? But a lot of these successful podcasters are single people. Right. Now, this is an interesting thing. I, sorry to take it X-rated, but I think of it as like these um, these websites with the webcam girls. Sure. There's more singular webcam girls than there are like doubles or triples or yeah. couples or whatever. Correct. Because 
all of the tip money that comes in yeah, through webcam software has to be split through the people that are that are doing the show. Or, so in our case, or it's run by the Russia by some Eastern European mafia. Yeah. So in our case, you know, it, whatever Patreons we would get, the small amount of Patreons that we would get would be split three ways. Yeah. So it actually makes it tougher to have more people. I feel. But it, but it's also it's also the nature of the content that you're producing. Like you know, um, uh, I mean, like Critical Role. Does I mean like there's like six people in that and they're yeah I mean, that's but, true the but I also don't Rooster I don't know Teeth podcast but I don't know if it's but Rooster and again this is this is where it gets into this idea that effectively these are incidental these are inc- they're not incidental they're not they're items that expand the reason why you're getting content from somebody like Critical Role was a big one for Geek and Sundry until they kind of split off and did their own thing. Mm-hmm. And even that, I don't think that that's actually something like they're making a living from. It's just that it, it, the, 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 the revenue that they get allows them to continue doing this thing. I think, I think in, in today's day and age, advertising alone isn't enough to pay for, and there's exceptions, but it's not enough to pay for the YouTube startup or the podcast startup. I believe that you really need to have a brand and you need to merchandise that brand. I think merchandising uh, absolutely can help. Um, branding is probably the most important thing. I, you, but it's, you know, identifying what you, who you are, what you are, where you're what you're really trying to push it, you know. I mean, can you imagine people going around with little friendship snake keychains? I can the, picture them having them. Well, sure. And somebody asking, "What is that? What's that weird snake logo that you got on your keychain or the t-shirts?" Yeah, t-shirts I think are one of the easiest ways to merchandise. Um, t-shirts are probably the best. Not everybody likes to wear hats. You know, Wade, you're wearing a hat today. I almost never wear a hat. Gunner doesn't really wear a hat unless it's like a he'll he'll wear a hood or he'll wear um, a winter hat or something like that. But um, you know, hats are, hats. You don't have as wide of an audience because not as many people wear them. But everyone has to wear a shirt. So, um, but you need it. You need an audience, and it's kind of um, it's you need an audience to wear the shirts to get an audience to wear the shirts. You know what I mean? It's sure. cyclical. Well, yeah, it builds, it grows. Yeah. But you also need a product, you know, and at the end of the day, the product is the channel, the YouTube channel, the podcast channel, and that product needs to offer enough value that somebody is proud to wear it. Right. You might, my, uh, my kids watch a lot of YouTube channels. Um, Wade, I know you watch a lot of YouTube as well. I do. And the ones that they watch is probably way different than what you watch, but they watch, um, uh, one of them, they call themselves the Ireland Brothers. They're, they're two uh, half-Asian kids, and their last name happens to be Ireland. They're not Irish. Sure. And um, these two Ireland brothers, one of them is just finishing up high school. The other one's fresh out of high school. And all they do is they sleep for 24 hours inside uh, uh, a Walmart. Oh, yeah, yeah. You talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's their product. But their personalities happen to be good enough that... People come back. You know, one of them even has like, it sounds like a little bit of a speech impediment, but nobody cares because they happen to be interesting enough. So like 
one of the things that they'll do is while they're they're stuck in this Walmart for 24 hours, they're not just going to be a video of them sleeping, you know. So what they'll do is they'll 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 do challenges, and then whoever loses the challenge has to do some type of strange dare. One of the examples is they'll do a hide and seek. Mm-hmm. Now with a hide and seek, they usually won't get busted and get kicked out. So hide and seek is a good time waster. And the store's so large, it takes a long time for them to find each other. Now they do have to edit a lot of footage out because you're not going to just watch somebody walk around for an hour looking yeah. for somebody else. But let's say you know they do a time. One of them's 37 minutes. It takes to find them. The other one's 17 minutes. The guy who took 37 minutes to find the other one loses and he's, he has to do this challenge. Well, this is where it gets pretty fun. And this is where even I stop and I'm watching. What the brother challenged the other brother to do was to go to the adolescent, like the, the children's clothing aisle and put on a Pikachu pajama outfit, which were short. They ended up being like a short, short shorts and a really, really tight shirt. And then go over to the weight section at Walmart and to do workouts in front of all of the people that walked by. And there's something about a, you know, 20 year old, I'll say man, <laughs> although they're just, just entered into what we would consider adulthood. Something about a 20 year old man flexing in an undersized Pikachu costume outfit that uh, I, I can't take my eyes away from. I mean, it's hilarious. It's really, really, really funny. And um, he had to get two separate staff members to assist him in selecting the workout equipment. And it was so good because the guy would come over from like the, uh, you know, the hunting section. And this guy is clearly annoyed that he's being asked questions about weights. And he's trying his hardest to get him to watch him flex these little weights in this little Pikachu uh, uh, pajama outfit. That's a memorable experience. And how... How do you how do you do that? Like for them, they started off as high schoolers, so they didn't have anything to lose. They were living with their parents. But you look at some of these YouTubers five years later and they got beautiful homes. They got families. There's enough money coming in that it's actually a career. You yeah. know? How does somebody that's not eighteen years old you start have off to a have podcast? some sort of a talent? You have to have some sort of a shtick. Some sort of a you know, something that people want. What's our shtick? I don't know, dude. <laughs> Fucking hot mess. <laughs> our stick. Our stick. We don't have one. Well, talk no. about the switch, Gunner. Talk about the switch. <laughs> switch subjects and talk about the switch. Well, Trace is I mean, challenging like, why when, we record when, every week. Switch the topic. When 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 two people really like each other and feel <laughs> and don't feel and feel like both can be in charge or no um so so technolo- um, technology updates. Technology updates. So uh, Nintendo, in a proud tradition of their handheld consoles, has decided that, hey, the console that we released is totally, was totally the right one, but now we have a new, we have a new right one. So uh, they just announced, what was actually, what was it called? The Switch Mint? The Switch the Nikai, the Nekia, ne- Nekia? Well, so yeah, so that's uh, the big one. That's like the that's the mega one. I think yeah. you're talking about. Well, no, but there's there's also the light. So the the, the so and much like the uh, DS history, uh, the Nintendo Switch is coming out with two newer versions. Uh, one the equivalent of the DS Lite, and one the Mega 3D. You know the the Mega 3DS. 
And um, again, it's just funny because it's it's kind of that the idea that hey, we we totally have the product that you want, and you could say that it's part market demand, but it's also just like we they, a lot of these guys just deliberately um, what is it segment the market, you know? Or you know, it, 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 it's kind of like coming like out with new the market. Well, you know, because like Apple does it with the iPad, the iPhones and stuff like that. Like, how many versions of the iPhone 10 did they come out with? Yeah. But um, it's also just one of these weird things where it's um, part of the problem is that we're still kind of in this hot mess place with um, the video and computer market just not being able to like manufacture like newer stuff on mass. So. Um, the the guts of the the guts of the switch are uh, an Nvidia chip or an Nvidia part, mm-hmm. and uh, it was the, the the switch itself is based off of a um, version of a version of the platform that was like basically it's it's the a shield, it was right? what was a fail yeah it's a failed yeah. Nvidia product um, because Nvidia decided that they were going to make a game console but they're not a game console company and in, you know Nintendo's like hey that's a, that's a nice thing you got there. Um, can we can can we buy that from you? And they're like, yes. And ergo, they repackaged it accordingly. Um, but it's also like Nvidia's just been having a shit t- a, 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 a shit problem trying to um, move this product line that they had made because the the shield is based off of, or you know, the shield and the the guts of the shield and the the, the switch are based off this thing that Nvidia made to do like self driving cars and all this stuff. Sure. And um, it was a good idea at the time. The problem is, is that um, it doesn't really work in that market, and there's been no uptake. So they just had all this. They did all this engineering work, and nobody was buying it. And it's just they keep refining this process on the idea that somehow they're going to make like AI products and stuff like that. And it still comes back to game consoles. And again, it's funny because on the other side, you have the other side of the fence where AMD keeps making these game console chips. That people are like, oh, actually, these are really good. AI- these are good, really good machine learning slash AI p- pieces. So why would Nintendo want a smaller Switch? Um, well, because one, it lets it lets them. So I mean, like the the Switch retails for about three hundred dollars with no yeah. game. And um, the current pro- Switch retails for that, right? Yes, but those the hardware it's made out of is two years old now. Right? Yes, but, but so the cost is is mostly just. Um, them, they know the they know the demand and value of their product, and they're allowed to overcharge for it. Still, really, right? I mean, yeah. isn't that what we're looking at? Well, you know, again, a like smaller it, one isn't necessarily cheaper to manufacture. No, no, no. But it, it, it well, it de- it depends because you're 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 stripping out you're stripping out features, but it's also um, why do you think they're stripping out features? Because they actually deliberately said that they're that that, that that's a feature reduced version of the switch. Oh, why the hell would they do that? Like and by feature you mean like one of the features being a kickstand, uh, one of the features being an SD card slot. Because if if that's the case, then I get it, right? But and, but that's no different than soldering the RAM onto a motherboard. They're just trying to make a more compact right. form factor. Are they are they taking the specs down on it? That's the part that I'm curious about. Because I'll get way too speculative here. <clears throat> if they get it small enough. Are they going to be a phone manufacturer in the next well, five years? Well, because someone tried this many years ago and it didn't end up. The well. difference so was the, though, is they weren't a console first. Right. 
so uh, the current the current right? the current if the, somebody told you you could pop a you could pop a card into your switch and turn it into your cell phone would you consider it hmm that's a really good question and i don't if you could use it just like a cell phone and you could you could have like a texts and you could have, facebook you could, but and, like it's not just a cell phone though cuz you got to have your web browser you got to have yeah yeah if you could have all that then i don't see why not if it wasn't wouldn't that be cool like instead of buying a a thousand dollar phone you go buy a three hundred dollar switch i mean the thing's fucking rugged right well yeah. so and again so the the main thing with the the, the tinier switch mm-hmm. um is that so the 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 switch as it currently is made mm-hmm. uses an older manufacturing process so it's a different node size sure yeah the new the the light one that they're talking about mm-hmm. uh, but the other thing is the switch is the switch is kind of a portable console mm-hmm. but it's optimized around both use cases yeah the new switch Mm-hmm. is the like 12 nanometer or 7 nanometer but small well again the chip the chips are smaller it uses less power mm-hmm. but the new the, the the light version of the switch is effectively optimized specifically for the portable use case right so but it's, they, it's like a but PSP they already side. said that it would still clip into a TV if mm-hmm. you needed it to yes but so there's no downsides right the other thing is is that the switch doesn't really go edge to edge on the display like a cell phone would so the smaller one could have a viewable screen that's a similar size. Sure. That's what I'm wondering. If it's really they're going to get into like, okay, this guy's the ultra portable. This guy here is a console that you can cart around if you want to. Like if they're actually going to split the switch into kind of two different marketplaces. Well, I think they're definitely, it's always going to be able to dock, right? Yeah. Regardless of how small it gets or whatever, you would imagine it'll always be able to kind of dock. I well, always get I'm, 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 I'm wondering, I'm like basically, is this... Is this designed to be something that you can throw in your pocket? Right. Right. That's right. kind of where Trace is going. Which is where I'm going. I always get upset when, when hardware manufacturers think there needs to be all these different sizes of their components. It makes it harder to find cases. It makes it um, it makes it harder to find uh, stuff that clips into it, you know, because now all of a sudden your your charging port is is screwed up with your case. And there's there's less the, the more the more hard the more differences in hardware i don't really understand the purpose of it like like i don't understand why it's that much of a big deal for the pixel to have the xl version and the regular version for the for the iphone to have the max version and the regular version how hard would it be for them all to be the same size it's not like when i mean it, is it just because of the pocket it's not like when you go to work that your desk phone has a mini version and an extra large version. People right. just use it in the form factor that it was engineered for. Why do we need different sizes? I think portability. Some people, there are some people that really don't like a big screen or a big phone. It's too big for my hands. It's too, I mean, I don't have that fucking problem. Yeah, but, but what I've noticed way. is is a lot of people with smaller hands want the bigger phones. It's What, what I've noticed, and maybe I'm off here, is that... Um, is that women are okay, and this is, of course, a little bit um, <laughs> the gender typing here. Women are, are, are more apt to get the larger phones because they don't necessarily carry them in their front pockets like men right. do. Carry them like their purse or something. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I've observed is that the larger screen is, is more attractive to people that don't have to slide them into their pocket. But you know what? If there was only one size pixel, I would buy that you size. Deal. Right. I don't give a shit. Right. I mean, I, I definitely, if I'm sitting there surfing with one hand, I don't like when my thumb can't reach the whole surface of the screen. So you right. got that. But what type of, what type of differences do we really have in thumb sizes that would be driving these interfaces? No. 
Well, you look like you had something going on. No, I'm really just trying to avoid the twinge and crying out like a little... I got another cool way. story. Okay. Another tech story. Um, did you guys hear about the guy who sent his pixel back to Google? No. This is a fun one. Um, anybody who reads tech news has seen this article 10 times now. But for those that don't read the tech news every day, this will be interesting to them. Um, uh, there was a guy who was returning his phone to his Pixel to Google, his Pixel 3, um, which is still like a $900 phone, was returning it to Google for... Um, uh, th- there was a problem with it, and there's been there's been several hardware issues hardware issues with the Pixel Three. So there's been people sending them back um, on warranty, and uh, Google reimbursed him eighty nine dollars instead of eight hundred and ninety nine dollars. Why? Because it's a Pixel Three, and it's not the new. I believe they version. made a mistake. Okay. Right. So he opened a dispute with them, but in the meantime, he needed a phone. So he went on the Google store and he ordered himself another pixel and he ordered himself. And this is where, this is where karma gets weird. He ordered himself a single pink pixel three. Google accidentally sent him 10. Didn't charge him for 10 though, right? They didn't charge him for 10. So the guy puts up a Reddit post and he says, Google, you owe me $800. I have $9,000 worth of cell phone that you accidentally shipped me. Let's make this right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty good. I'm, are you surprised that Google can't manage to do basic accounting in their automated systems? What I like about it is that there's a lot of ways he could have treated this. Sure. Right? What I like is that all he really wanted was his <clears throat> refund corrected. Right. It, What's what's even more disheartening? He did get his credit. Um, Google credited his Fi account, um, so he'll have like no cell phone bill for the next year. Right. What's disheartening is that how hard would it have been for him to get that eight hundred dollars back if he had no leverage? If they didn't fuck up, yeah. right? It's not. It's the fact is when you're talking about eight hundred dollars. And it's a dispute. So if Google just said, "No, we don't think you're entitled to it. We're going to give you the val- what we value the phone at, and you know, in the condition it's in, and there's there it is." Really, they could if they wanted to, they could just say, "We're just not going to fuck off." What are you going to do? To hire a lawyer or take him to a claims court or some small claims court or something like that? The cost would, would be more than the phone. More, probably it would essentially just be but how, a moral victory. And at this point, who can afford a moral victory? How bad is it though? That we can't, they even, made, we can't even afford to pay attention. That they made two accounting mistakes, both a factor of 10, with the same person. Yeah. What the hell? It's weird. What I think Google should have done, I really feel like they should have done, is they should have used this opportunity when everyone's staring at them they're staring at their accounting mistakes. They should have used this opportunity to actually improve the way that their brand looked. Instead of giving him a $900 credit to his Google Fi account, they should have done something else where they reached out and they said, I'm sorry. I'm not saying that he deserves more than the 900 bucks that he's due, right? right? When it comes down to it, I think he ended up getting an extra $89 out of it because they didn't take back the 89 they had sent him previously. They could have, uh, I don't know, been smart, 
tied it in with like breast cancer awareness, something like that. Like, please, you know, here's sure. the, here's the proof of your nine hundred dollars. Now, please go, please go donate these to the. They could have donated the nine thousand dollars to breast cancer. Sure, yeah. yeah. They could have they could have sent flowers to his mother. Sure. That were all pink. They could have done so many things that they they could have seized the opportunity where all of these eyes are looking at Google and trying to think. You know what? Maybe Google is getting but too dude, big. But they're be, they're beyond it. Are they? They don't though? need to worry about it. Yeah, are they I, I think it? Google's beyond it. Because if they're beyond it, then they've lost grasp of the perception of them as a company. Sure. But what does that matter? When you're making money like Microsoft and like Apple, what does it fucking matter what anybody thinks? Well, I think that if, if, if the company feels that way, it, it will eventually it will eventually mean their demise. I don't know, man. Microsoft's doing pretty good. Microsoft's fixed those problems. Yeah. Well, so Microsoft here's, has. In the, in the public eye? Here, yes. Here's, here's yeah. an interesting yes. question. It's is taking that, them a very long time, though, Wade. Microsoft has made huge... I'm sorry to talk over you, Gunnar. Microsoft's made huge strides to fix their image, and they're doing, they're doing a really good job at that. I mean, to the point where you can get Ubuntu as an app in the Microsoft App Store right now, right? You yeah. can get Linux as an app in the Microsoft App Store, and you can run Linux natively on top of Windows. They do some pretty cool things like that. Their, their, um, their flagship programming language, which is .NET, they've open-sourced it, and they have a product called .NET Core. Their text editor, Visual Studio Code, I've switched it to my primary text editor on Mac because it's the best one I've used. So is my brother, and he uses Linux. It's taken them a long time. They bought the largest open source uh, repository, GitHub, is now owned by Microsoft. So they've done it. It's taken them a long time, and they've done it. But um, I don't know. Google always seemed to come off as a company that cared about that cutesy stuff. Well, I think that was their... They... Listen, man, you can't get big that big without being a piece of shit sometimes. Right. It's just the truth of it. And you've say, you say it over and over. Yeah. You know? You, you, you um, can't get that big without being a villain at, at times. That power corrupts and... Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Right. But Any that, other technology corner stuff here? I don't think so. Well, We're past the two-hour mark. Just a heads up. So fuck two hours. People get a little Easter egg here. So are <laughs> so so <laughs> I guess like, here's you. Like, here's the, the thing. Are, are, you, are you gonna are you gonna buy Switch? You gonna buy Switch now? No, probably not. I probably do mostly wait. gaming. My gaming experiences are based around social aspects. Um, yeah, the Switch isn't really as social yet. Yeah, and that's great. Games are great, but I like to play great games with friends. So that's why I'm on Xbox. Hmm. But what happens when uh, what happens when Xbox decides that Switch is now their new portable console? Which actually they're then in the pro- they're in the process they're in the process well, of. I wish I wish I had like a second in the minute of of Gunner's <laughs> brain. Like how how would the Switch ever become the portable Xbox? No, because Microsoft Microsoft just did a deal with Nintendo. Okay, that they are bringing Xbox Live over onto the Switch. Oh, that's a good point. That's pretty big. Yeah. Then, then you know what? Then it's possible I buy a Switch for Smash Brothers. Yeah, or even some of your even some of your uh, your Xbox games. If you wanted them to be portable, right? You'd rather yeah. travel with a Switch than That's travel true. with your Xbox. It would be kind of. They'd have to figure out the logistics on the controller because I'm not. They got DualShock. Yeah. So what are the logistics? Well, 
No, they don't. They I got Dual Shock. to see. They got Dual Shock. Is Dual Shock controller? Yeah, let me show. I'll pull up. Keep talking though. I'll pull I know. Up is a it picture. like the Pro controller? Is that what it's called? You can play that when it's in portable mode. Uh, it's the the Pro controller is modeled after the Joy Cons side by side. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, then maybe yeah, maybe it has become more, a, a bit more viable if they add that kind of connectivity to other people. Yeah, let me show you a picture here of what the Switch looks like with the Joy-Cons on the side of it. Um, see? You get a full dual shock. You yeah, I guess that's true. You yeah. have your triggers on the top. You have your, your, Do you have triggers in the back, too? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you get bing and bing. Okay, cool. Yep. You, have our, you have bumpers and triggers. Okay. Yep. And Very then cool. you have, you have the, these, these buttons down then here. Then I guess I really don't have much of a gripe. I think it's actually... I wouldn't need much figuring out at all. And what happens is the binding, you see the minus and plus? Yes. Those minus and plus um, kind of take over your select and start. Okay, gotcha. And then you have an additional home and then this square button. So you actually have more buttons on a Nintendo. I think you end up getting one more button on a Nintendo than you would on, you know, like your average Xbox controller. It really is staged to be the portable Xbox, like Gunner saying. Cool. So I guess Gunner, I apologize. If if Xbox Live um, brings the majority of its games to the Switch, we're going to have a really strange ecosystem in the next five years. Yeah, because well, that would effectively, and I think maybe Microsoft wouldn't be too crazy. Wouldn't be too. That would effectively take Microsoft out of the console. No sphere right no 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 again it's a it's a it's it's a level of experience like right because you're also it also depends on the games because like an xbox live game is not necessarily an xbox game right right you know like it's your 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 experience so you're still going to go for your exclusives you're still going to go and they're also you know they're also looking to do they're pushing their streaming stuff down so again it comes into like your level your your level you know like you know i want to do 4k i want to do 4k console gaming i need the stones of my xbox right man that's going to be really interesting i got another i mean like i know wade's so irritated because we're over two hours but it's easter (laughs) so you guys get an easter egg because to me there's more there's more symbolism in easter eggs and bunnies laying eggs and pastel colors. Then Easter in general, is. if you think about it, is a really, really weird <clears throat> Christian holiday. Like you're, you're kind of rooting for a zombie. It's just and that's like your deity. And, and we we don't know which day to have it on. That's interesting too. You know, you got to count moons and stuff. Like that's really <laughs> weird. We're like, well, Christmas is going to be exactly on this day, but Easter, it's going to be somewhere around this day. Yeah. You know what? It's because Easter itself is an Easter egg. Is Good Good Friday is when they nailed them up? That's what I think so. We should Good know Friday. Why do they call it Good Friday? Well, yeah, my wife was asking me that yesterday. I'm pretty sure that is. That well, is am I wrong? Actually, well, actually, technically, Good Friday is the day that they buried him. Okay, Good Friday is the day they buried him. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Because, he, or you know, at least the, the the premise of it. Because he, it is a he, weird he, word, he, though. He he was he was he was dead and risen can, after three days. Can we get can we get the the day after Thanksgiving renamed to Good Friday and the day that Jesus was buried turned into Black, Black Friday? Friday? I think that would probably be swap I, those I, I days. That'd be okay. Well, swap can, the names. Can we, well, technically, can we, can we call was it all in one day? Good, 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 good Friday, crucified, and then they buried him. No. Uh, well, I mean, like it—it it, it, it depends. Uh, it depends on your your BS interpretation of things, but um, 
Because I, 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 I just imagine, like, of things. all I can think of is, like, the intro to Altered Beast. Like, Jesus coming out of the cave. Like, the voice do, going, do, rise do. from your grave. From and then lightning grave. striking and fucking bang. I want, like, like some Latin chant in the background. <laughs> oh, I want those, like, weird uh, monks, like, who All did, right. you know, uh, Silence by, uh, was, is it Orbital? That did so- no, it was, who did... Silence? Sadness. Sadness. Sadness by, was it, I don't know if it was Orbital or not, back in the early 90s. Oh, um... Yeah, think, was it French? It was French. Yeah, it was those French. guys. <laughs> those guys. All right. <laughs> okay, so you're holding up your finger and shutting us up while you're not talking. No, so, so, so Dude, to Wade, your, Wade's going to kick us off the to podcast. You, you got to keep talking. No, so turn it off. <laughs> no, to to your thing. Um, yes, he did. He he did die uh, on Good Friday and was buried that same day. Okay, so so when I say literally the day they nailed him up there, they called it Good Friday. Maybe well, the maybe the Jews came up with that name. Well, because yes, the the the, <sighs> pa- the passion started the previous day on Thursday. Jesus. Hmm. So, so yes, um, they just beat they just beat the ever living. Uh, so, well, so some other they tech beat news. the ever living Jesus out of Jesus. Yes. So some there. other tech news. This is almost <clears throat> political, but I really want to share it. This is really cool. Um, Microsoft and Amazon have been at a feud for a while in the, it, it, the quote-unquote home wars. I, I quote, I'm coining the home wars even though nobody else is calling it this, but I am. There's been this political battle between them where you can't get YouTube on a fire stick and you can't get the Amazon, uh, the Amazon uh, app on the uh, Chromecast. So you're talking about Google and, and my, Amazon, not what did Microsoft. I say? You said Microsoft and Amazon. Man, you could tell I'm too tired. This is why we don't go over two hours. That's what I'm saying. This is why, because I'm not on my game. I'm all out of <laughs> my Dunkin' coffee. Um, yes, sorry. Google and Amazon uh, in the home wars. Yeah, Microsoft isn't in the home wars yet. Um, or maybe they just lost their bid to it because Microsoft doesn't really sell personal devices. Well, they finally reached an agreement, and this is interesting. As of, um, I believe, within the next 24 or 48 hours, the YouTube app on the Fire devices, whether you have a, a TV with the Fire software built in, or you have the, what's the box called? What's that? The Fire Stick? Yep, you got the stick, and then what's the box called? Don't they have a little square Fire Cube? Fire Cube, right? Uh, I don't know. I think it's called Fire Cube. I don't know. Yeah, so regardless of which Amazon device that you have, the YouTube app has historically just been a fucking web browser that opens to YouTube.com. You will finally have the full-blown YouTube app nice. uh, on the Fire devices. And likewise, the Amazon services are coming back to the Google Pixels because they reached this agreement. This is where it gets interesting. I always thought, Wade, when we talked about this previously, that this battle, this political battle, was because of the in-store purchases. Yeah. It actually had more to do with the sale of the hardware. So I don't hear too many people buying the uh, uh, the Google, um, uh, the, the Chromecasts too much anymore. But that was, to me, it seems like that was the first product where people are like, oh, hey, I can cast my phone to my TV. You know, it was like the first product. Now it seems like more people are going down these, like Apple TV or Roku or Fire, where you get a dedicated remote. It kind of replaces, um, it replaces your cable box, so to speak. Whereas the the Chromecast, 
you couldn't eat you can't even get a remote for it right or if you can it doesn't come with it by default right. you need a phone to control it um but i didn't realize this but what had happened was amazon had sandbagged google and they blocked the sale of all google home devices from from uh, the Amazon store. I didn't oh, that's kind of whack. Okay, it is really fucked up. And Google's, or of course, Amazon's uh, argument is, "Hey, it conflicts." But fuck you, it conflicts. You can go to Amazon Prime and you can buy HBO. Right. They're perfectly fine with competition. Right. They have their own content and they sell other people's content. Why they sandbagged Google, I'm not entirely sure. It might have been in retaliation to some of the store issues that they were having. But what's even funnier about this news is. You can now buy a Chromecast on Amazon as of this news. I think it's like 24 hours old. So you can go right now and you can buy a Chromecast. And you can get your two-day shipping from Amazon and get it sent to your house. However, they are still blocking the sale of a Google Home device. What do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. When I Before I said the Google Home devices, Google offers like a bunch Like the Echoes of, and the Dots and stuff like that, like the Amazon yes. equivalents? Yeah. Yes. Google offers a bunch of different devices, and they have the little tiny, the Google Home Minis, which is like a little hockey puck. They have the taller one, which is the official Google Home. I believe they have a stand with a screen, right? Have you... S- yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, and But the the only device that you can buy as of this announcement is the Chromecast. So they really, it looks like the home wars that nobody is saying, but it's what I'm calling it. The home wars are still alive Yeah. because you can't buy a Google Home from Amazon and Amazon is the largest online retailer right right Well, That's why when everybody shops online, it's like, I would say a good majority of people buy stuff off of Amazon. No, shouldn't the the FCC step in or the FTC FTC, step in and call this non-compete? Well, the FTC is also horrendously understaffed, and yeah. you know it's like one of you know you go back because when the FCC said that they weren't going to deal with any ISP nonsense, and that was up to the FTC, the head of the FTC was like, "How the frick do you think I'm gonna? I have I have forty people who work for my entire department, period, and you want me to run? You want me to run all of telecommunication in the United States? Yeah, but I mean, how can the largest retailer? In the, uni- the entire United States, be allowed to block the sale of something. I mean, you could almost look back five years from now, Gunner, mm-hmm. and say the death of Google Chrome and Google Home was, was due to the sandbagging effort yeah, from Amazon. No, it, it's, it's, it's just effed. I mean, like, um, not that it, not that they'll die. Well, you know? no, not that the Google you, Home you, is you going saw, to lose you, you to the saw, Echo. You, you saw that. You but saw won't that. it eventually? Won't it eventually lose to the Echo? Well, I don't know if the Echoes take. I mean, the Echo is not necessarily a horrendously successful product. I mean, like it does business, but right, you know. And also, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not a target market. But like the the home automation thing seems very much like yeah. VR, where it was just like it was supposed to be the. You know, like I know Kevin. Kevin's cool place aside, like it was supposed to be a thing. And it just never really. I don't know if I agree with you. I feel like the I feel like the Amazon Echo and the home automation is actually on. It's skyrocketing. People want to be able to dim the lights in their room with their voice, and Amazon's doing it properly. I would say that to your point about it not being successful, it's not successful for the the trivia. It's not successful for the 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 everyday questions like like Google is so good at. Um, 
But I would say that something like um, Siri is almost a joke at this point. Yeah, yeah, Siri's not really viable. Well, it's not been invested in it. Like they, they, they launched the platform and they kind of it's never pointless really at this point. expanded it past that original implementation. You know, it's the, it's the it's the problem. It's the problem with first mover. I mean, like we still, you know, you have yeah. I mean, like Apple's slowly coming into that. Hey, we're gonna you know the arcade device and stuff like that. I mean, like they're they're trying to come in, but it's just it's not. Nintendo's gonna beat them. The, the 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 Nintendo Xbox cell phone is going to prevail, and it's going to be the top selling phone in two thousand twenty four. I'd buy one for sure. Okay, shut us down. All right, guys, we've right, had enough. Out. We've been we've been doing this for we're, we're well past the two hour mark. So we'll see you next time. Snake that ride. Snake that ride.